I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? Yeah, I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We are live here on YouTube, God willing, because uh, mm. Google was down for a, for a minute there, weren't it? wasn't it? YouTube and Gmail appear to be having some problems, yeah. yeah all right, well, we're, uh, we're live, and it's, uh, it's a great Monday morning. It's NFL Scouting Combine Week. We're off to Indy this week. Yep. And a uh, little extra pep in my voice, at least for now, until <laughs> I bring it down. Until I bring it down a notch. Uh-huh. You're you're heading away to Indy in the largest car ever made by man. Yeah, I rented a suburban. Yeah. for the uh, for the trip because mm. it's I need a one way because I'm going to Sloan this week. I'll also be speaking at Sloan, mm. the Sloan Analytics Conference. I I wonder. I, I need somebody needs to research this. Am I the only person to be a keynote speaker at both the Cool Clinic for offensive line coaches yeah. and also the Sloan Analytics Conference? Maybe you, well rounded here. You are joining together the football people and the nerds that's right that's right i can do both single-handedly like a chameleon you should bring your picture you know of just the the, the offensive line guys and then your face or the we logo could do the uh the meme with the uh the uh, the arm wrestling meme where it's like people are coming together mm. that's me bringing together let's get meme guy on here bringing together the old line community and the nerds that's what i'm doing here the arm wrestling me yeah that one you at least know where that Arm wrestling, handshake thing, whatever it is. You don't know where that's from? What is that from? That's from Predator. Oh, oh, okay. Arnie meets uh, whoever Carl Weathers is playing. Whatever that guy's name was. So we're going to get that going. Just letting the people get here. Imagine the pressure, by the way, on Carl Weathers. Like when somebody described (laughs) that scene to him, it's like, hey, I know you're in pretty good shape already being a former football player. And, you know, (laughs) but you're going to have to do this with Arnie, Mr. Universe. So you might want to spend the next four months doing curls. Yeah, maybe get jacked. Right. So anyway, here we are. It's, uh, it's the fourth of uh, our four-part series. Fixing every team in the NFL with three-quarters of the way through. Today it's going to be the AFC South and the NFC South as well. Mm. So uh, we've got the, the charity drives done. When am I, when am I rugby in, by the way? Uh, still TBD. I, I still need the videos from the guy that's you know currently involved in the Six Nations. So... Is there a game this weekend? No. A match? We've got, we got some free time pitch? now, but I've already sent okay. like a sort of reminder slash begging email, and there's only so many of those you can send before you feel like an absolute loser. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping it gets back to me at some point now with a free week. Got it. All right. Well, soon we'll be doing some rugby. All right. So uh, as we've said before, we're fixing every team in five minutes. It usually takes 15 to 25 minutes. We'll give you guys some, uh, some ideas, some thoughts on your team, some potential uh, strategies to employ this offseason. So let's do it. Starting in the AFC South with the Houston Texans. Got two first-round picks again in Houston with the Deshaun Watson trade. And pick number two overall, not pick number one, mm. but pick number two overall. Where are we going to start here with the Houston Texans? Let me see what else they have here. Sorry, free agency-wise. I usually do a little reset. Another one of those teams where on paper, only two free agents on defense and only two on offense. And not, not really big names. The biggest name is Oba Okoronkwo. Yeah. And they have the most draft capital of any team. 
in the NFL by a pretty big distance. This so. is what they've been waiting for, right? We, yeah. We've, we've sat here doing this exercise the last couple of years, and uh, we've suggested that when they go to free agency, find some some younger-ish players that could be a part of the long-term deals. They haven't. They've gotten one- and two-year contracts, but now they can completely rebuild from the draft here. So the first decision to make, I think, is do you try and undo the damage done by winning that game and taking yourself out of the number one overall pick and trade with Chicago? The Adam Schefter is reporting today the self-evident fact that Chicago is happy to op- happy to listen to offers for that number one overall pick. A shocking turn of events. Um, so... You know, you either sit there at two and get a quarterback or you trade up to number one and guarantee the one you want. Because otherwise, and in particular, the Texans, because one of the most likely teams to trade a number one, if it isn't them, is Indianapolis within the division. So do you have enough faith that Indianapolis is not interested in the guy you're interested in? And are you prepared to wait till number two for your guy? Yeah, so you mentioned all the draft capital. The Texans have five picks in the top 73 and six in the top 104. So a lot of significant picks, 12 total picks. They have number two and number 12 in the first round. I think you might grab, you know, grab a couple of those picks and just go up to number one if you, just to ensure that you get your guy. The other, what if, the other thing, too, is if you don't love all of them, what if you took two? You don't have to give up a ton to get up to one. And then you held the cards and started listening to trade offers, including from the division rival Colts and including the Panthers and the Raiders and anyone else that might want to trade up. What if you decided to do Wait, that what? as the Texans? If you trade up to trade one. Trade up to one and then put one on the market again. It's unlikely you're going to get back more than what you gave up to go up to number one. Otherwise, sure it is because the bear because you because the bears aren't dropping as far so you don't have to give up as much to get to one I so mean, say the bears you might give up pick 65 right like early third or even if it was 33 even if it was like your best second round pick you give up 33 to move up one spot that's pretty pretty steep but say you just give up your early third round your third round pick you can get more in return to go from one back to uh you know, four, seven, or nine. I don't know. What's the going rate from two to one? Is it that significant? I don't know, but it's probably going to cost you a decent amount. And I don't. Yeah, imagine. maybe it is. Chicago anyway, is unlikely go. to take a worse deal just to stay within the top four. I would say. All right, go get, go get a, uh, go get a quarterback. Particularly, by the way, if Indianapolis is one of the other offers, because even then, like, yeah, they might go crazy. The difference between two offer. and four for Chicago is effectively negligible. The difference between. Two, four, and then maybe seven or nine is a different conversation. But if Indy is one of the other teams available, which, by the way, you're unlikely to trade with because, you know, you're in the division. So, yeah, generally think from start to finish, your idea is bad. Okay. Trade up for one. Get the quarterback. I'm fine with that. Okay. I was just talking through it on air like anyone else would. It's fine. You know, there are no dumb ideas until there are. You, You lay off, man. So, who's your quarterback? Bryce Young? Bryce Young. I'll go Bryce. Okay. So we're getting Bryce Young. He's our quarterback. What else we gotta, do we have to do here with the rest of our draft capital? And uh, We have an inside source team. now with the Houston Texans, and he was useless when it came to talking oh, about Oh, I thought you were going to break something. No. Yeah. When it came to talking about which quarterback they were going to get, utterly useless. Don't get Bobby fired. PFF underscore Bobby had no information for us whatsoever. Per usual. Seems to be, uh, seems yeah. to be the trend here. He mm-hmm. won't let us break news. 
Won't give us any information on which quarterback he likes. No. Nothing. Won't go out on a limb about anything. Yeah. Um, Texans have a lot of uh, cap space as well. So is this finally the time? Like, who's their biggest free agent signing over the last two years? They haven't had any. <laughs> it's but, probably Oboe I mean, again. One person has to be the biggest. Oboe Okoronkwo at $3.5 million. Right. So are they going to tap into free agency a little bit here? It's like they're, re- they're potentially returning all starting offensive linemen, but there's some improvement to be made there. Um, as with every team, playmakers, playmakers, like let's get some let's get some receivers in here. By the way, I love pushing Davis Mills down to backup. I like Davis Mills as a backup here. It is interesting, though, that, you know, you would imagine that they would be in a similar position to uh, Washington – or not Washington, to Chicago in terms of cap space. Like they've, they've had a couple of years to get their house in order so that when they finally get rid of Sean Watson, they can spend and build around whoever the new guy is going to be. And they – I mean, they've got money, but they don't have Bears money, you know? Like they've got 25, 26 million of effective cap space right now, which is less than a third – of what Chicago has, having torn the entire roster down and sort of designed around this year. And even Atlanta, it's half of what they have, having got rid of Matt Ryan, having taken the really punishing dead cap hit and then uh, look towards this season to start really rebuilding. It's vaguely surprising how little room the Texans actually have when you consider how long they've had sort of line of sight of this. Now, as we've suggested with every other team, second wave of free agency is probably the the best place to live here. But the Texans are one of those teams, I think, where you want to be aggressive and, you know, make some bigger some bigger splash type of plays. Well, what do they want? Because so they're not going to be massive spenders in free agency. They're going to be, you know, picking up a few of those second wave guys, maybe in the first wave of uh, timing. But like they're not going to go out there and make three or four massive splash moves to try and move this roster. So they're going to be doing this largely through the draft. They've got the most draft capital of anybody, even if they spend a little bit to get up to number one. You draft Bryce Young. He's your quarterback. Now what do you do? So I think if you've got – you have D'Amico Ryans coming in, and I wonder how much you try to – it's not always replicate, but, you know, what you're comfortable with, what, you're, what you are comfortable with or what he's had in San Francisco is a really good defensive line. Uh, maybe they bring Charles Amenihu back. Right, who just had a lot of success with D'Amico Ryan, started his career with the Texans. I think a Manihu could be um, a free agent that you bring in, but I think you're load, you're trying to load up on the defensive line uh, on that side of the ball at least. And then it, you, we'll only come back to receiver and tight end, but on the defensive side, Derek Stingley didn't have the best rookie season, but still have faith in him. Steven Nelson, a good solid veteran on the other side, had a, a solid season, and Desmond King has become solid veteran. I mean, that secondary could be pretty good, and D'Amico Ryans has gotten the most out of his cornerback group over the last couple of years with the Niners. Jalen Petrie, uh, Petrie, if he could just tackle better, which is a big if, but that you know tends to revert back to the mean. He had, what, 24, 25 missed tackles last year as a rookie safety. On paper, I think they could have a decent secondary. I think this offseason, try to bring back Okoronkwa cheap. Maybe you bring in an Amenahue. And you need some sort of alpha defensive lineman there. Maybe that's somebody at twelve that you're that you're looking at. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're loading up in on in the trenches on that side, and then looking at perimeter players to complement Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins on the offensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like if you're going to get the quarterback, particularly if it's going to be Bryce Young, and you, the, the one concern you have about him is unprecedented size or Doug Flutie size, um, you have to do as much as humanly possible to make sure he's got things to work with. So receivers and offensive linemen. Yeah. Laramie Tunsil was one of the best pass-blocking left tackles in the NFL last year, but this offensive line for a while has kind of been Laramie Tunsil and other people. Um, Kenyon Green, their first-round pick from a year ago, was rough year one. Rough, I mean, in his defense, going up against a pretty ugly slate of really, really good interior defensive linemen almost on a weekly basis. But, you know, that's the NFL these days. So either he needs to take a massive step forward or they're going to need to keep firing at that offensive line. Brandon Cooks is their one top-end receiver who might end up getting traded away. If you're trading away Brandon Cooks, you're going to need to replace him with something. Because after that, it's Nico Collins, who's you know a nice role player, but hasn't really suggested that he can step into a Brandon Cooks kind of void. Um, John Mechie, who obviously was dealing with uh, his cancer, is that what he had? Yes. Um, I don't know what his status actually is heading into this year, but probably not something you can rely on. So they might end up spending their second number one over, or number pit number one pick number twelve on a wide receiver for uh, for Bryce Young. Was that McShay? That was McShay's mock where they went, I think Bryce Young and then Quentin Johnston. They went quarterback and then receiver. Yeah. And we had some sort of uh, Elias stat. Right. First time since whenever that somebody is. First time since uh, Tebow and Demarius Thomas. Oh, okay. That, you, that, uh, you, you, that a team drafted a quarterback and a receiver in the first round for each other. Um, again, I, I feel like I don't love Quentin Johnston. I know there's a lot of people that do. I'm okay to, you know, say there's a chance he could be good and I'm going to rewatch him and have, you know, maybe change my feelings on him. Who knows? But a big-bodied receiver who's not great at the catch point for his size but does have good speed. We'll see if he runs this week and if that ends up changing things. You know, if he runs in the 4-4s at, you know, 6-4 or something like that. But Quentin Johnston's the number one receiver on our draft board. There's a bit of a drop before Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba. But if we're talking at 12, Johnston absolutely could be available there. Yeah. And then you add that to Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, and that looks good. I also think, I mean, Jordan Addison um, is reminds me a lot of Garrett Wilson in terms of just being good at everything. And yeah. because of that, he those guys tend to get overlooked or knocked a little bit because everybody's looking for the next Jamar Chase, you know. And you're going to see... Multiple people telling you there's no Jamar Chase in this draft class, as if that's a realistic standard. But if you're looking for a Jamar Chase, Johnson is the guy that you look at and say, all right, he's big, he's fast, like he has the ceiling maybe that can become that guy. Because guys like Garrett Wilson or Addison don't necessarily have that ceiling, it's like, oh, well, we've got to drop those guys a little bit. But if he's just good at everything, that's worth, it. That's worth 12 overall. And Garrett Wilson was worth, when did he go, 10 overall? Um, those guys that are just impactful, good playmakers that can run after the catch, that can get open, that can separate deep at all levels, draft those guys. Like, they're good players. The fact that they can't necessarily become Jamar Chase is should not be a reason to not draft them, A, as the first receiver in the draft, but B, as high as number 12 overall. You want to give him Addison? I think that that wouldn't be a bad move. All right. I can accept that. We're working, we're working together here. We have Bryce Young and Jordan Addison. Let's go crazy here. Um, what about on the turn? I don't know if this is available, if this is a possibility, but Dalton Kincaid 
the tight end out of Utah, mm. that is jumping Michael Mayer in a lot of in a lot of rankings here. Kincaid, about 240 pounds, more of an H-back type of body, but add him to this offense. He might be there at 32. I don't know if he'll be that first-round pick because of the size. He doesn't – like, Mayer looks like your traditional wide tight end. Those guys tend to be valued a little bit higher. Remember Cole Komet going at 40 overall out of Notre Dame as well. So I'll say right now I think Mayer goes over Kincaid. Kincaid may be on the turn at number 33 in the second round. Now you've got your big-bodied receiver – and uh, a really slick route running tight end in Kincaid potentially as uh, your your second option here. Yeah, or if you just keep you know you double dip at wide receiver. What if your two of your first three picks are wide receivers for? Oh wait, you gave Addison. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. For your quarterback to play play with. So Zay Flowers, who we've mentioned for everybody, Tank Dell, Josh Downs, those are the next guys on our board. Yeah, and maybe wise. you know maybe people don't like or are scared away by Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury in the whatever 40 time he ends up posting or doesn't post this pre-draft process maybe he ends up sliding as far as the top of the second the one if you are taking a forward-looking approach though um larry mitunsel at left tackle center justin Britt, right guard aj can and uh right tackle titus howard four-fifths of your offensive line are all heading into the last year of their respective contracts i'm a big fan of uh, right tackle prospect dewan jones out of Ohio State. He could be a nice early second round. He's my draft equivalent of Kelvin Beecham, mm. I would say. If you're not going to get Kelvin Beecham for a uh, you know, million and a half in free agency, you could draft Dewan Jones late you know, in the second round. So I think offensive line is another place that if they are taking a, a multi-year approach here, they might want to spend a couple picks there as well. So you want to double up on receivers. I actually might, might grab a Dewan Jones here as well. Yeah. But... Do we go all offense, or is this another one of those, it's D'Amico Ryan's defensive coach, tries to put his stamp on the defense, and they actually go to that side of the ball? I'm sure D'Amico Ryan's would love some defenders, but it kind of feels like this should be – like this. Your, your number one priority is going to be we now have a quarterback for the first time in a while. Let's make sure this guy succeeds, particularly if they've sort of gone out on a limb to trade up to number one to draft the guy, if it's Bryce Young, who is – whatever his size is going to be, 5'10", 180, like that's a lot of kind of gamble to take and then go, but we're going to give you one receiver and then you got to figure it out from there, son. You know what I mean? Give that guy some help and give him as much help as you can. You have a huge amount of draft picks. You can still get defense in a little while, but let's make sure we're giving this guy as much help as we can. I'm going to propose one more thing, but let's say high level, here's our Texan strategy. Let's get young on offense. Not only Bryce, but also age-wise. Let's get younger on offense. That's where we're going to spend our draft capital. And let's use the last couple of years of Texans' free agent strategy on defense. Stitch it together defensively for year one here. Trust D'Amico, coaching at X's and O's, coaching at a schematic advantage. Right. Here's one other thing I, I might propose here. For this, uh, your connections with the 49ers, right? The Niners, we talked on the, the last show about their – all the stars that they need to re-sign. Could you trade for a Brandon Ayuk with the Niners? Yeah. Are the Niners going to get to a point where they can't pay everybody? Debo and Kittle and Bosa and everybody. All the stars there. McCaffrey. Maybe call uh, the old friends. John Lynch and flip some of that draft capital. They need draft capital. They've only got the five draft picks. I would take Brandon Ayuk. Is he good enough to be that one 
and then push Cooks to a two and Collins to a three and Mechie and, every, and Amari Rogers and all those guys down a notch. Well, I think they'd probably be trading away Brandon Cooks at that point, um, which whatever you're getting for Brandon Cooks can be a big part of what, what you're trading for IU. I like that idea. I think that's a good one. Good. Steve came up with a good idea. Yeah, one for one or one and one. Finally. All right. So high level, we have a strategy for the, uh, for the Texans. Feel good about that? Yeah. Trade up to number one. Don't love that. We'll be annoyed, frustrated that I had to do that because we won a game for no reason. Get my guy, quarterback. Give him some help. Draft a wide receiver. I like drafting. So forget double dipping with those. Draft a wide receiver at 12, whichever whichever your guy is there, and then trade for Brandon Ayuk. Now all of a sudden, you got Brandon Ayuk. You got whoever you drafted at 12. You got Nico Collins. Mechie yes. if, if and when he comes back. Trade Cooks, recoup some draft capital there. Right. Then you can draft offensive line. Then you can go Dewan Jones, second round. Assuming you still have that pick. True. Yeah, maybe not if you traded out. You probably don't have that anymore. But you get something back for Cooks. That could be a second. Like, who knows? There's, we'll have to see what we're left with. But yeah, yeah. Offensive line. For well, we're, on the, we're on the phone lines here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking to people. Mm-hmm. All right, there we go. Texans, fixed. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. It is the last show of the week here in Western and Southern Studio in Cincinnati. Taking it to the road here this week. Hmm. You got a bunch of, uh, as of now, before they cancel on you, you got some big name <laughs> guests lined up for this week. Yeah, so far there's some uh, there's some pretty heavy hitters when it comes to interviews we've got scheduled. So we will see what we actually end up getting. That's the tease. That's the tease. Yeah. But like when you when you lock in an NFL head coach or GM for an hour, sometimes those uh, those hours disappear. Yeah, never during combine week. Never take that for granted. All right, next up is the Indianapolis Colts. Sam, all we have to do is fix the Colts. So do we have to play this scenario that the Texans have traded up to one? Or can we say, we're the Colts, would we trade up to one? And what would we do? <laughs> How would we do that? Uh, the Colts have pick number four. Then they have uh, their early second at pick 35. And it's eight total draft picks for the Colts. Three in the top 100, four in the top 106. So, you know, mid-tier draft capital maybe above average. I don't know if you've got that handy, but that's just uh, at a glance. But uh, this is all about the quarterback here. Yeah. What are are we doing? What are we doing when we talk to uh, Jim Irsay here during our meetings? They are a touch above average when it comes to draft capital. Um, I don't know that the Colts need to move. I think they can sit at four and get their guy. Because I doubt, I don't know, there's something. I know Irsay has said, like, oh, that kid from Alabama or whatever. I, I don't know that the Colts are really going to be interested in Bryce Young. For, I don't know why. For some reason, they strike me as a team that just isn't interested in the tiny quarterback. You know? I could absolutely see that, yes. Now, maybe I'm just projecting. You know, we've, we've, <laughs> we've mocked Jim Irsay a little bit on this show, from the Madden, from whatever. Like, maybe I'm just projecting, and actually Bryce Young's the guy. They have number one on their board by a mile. But every quarterback that's been added to this team since – Ballard has been there. has been like 6'4", 225. Almost the, the range is tiny. Now, admittedly, NFL quarterbacks as a general whole tend to skew to that kind of direction. So there's a uh, confirmation bias there. But 
you, you would definitely say that he seems to have a type based on the quarterbacks that he's installed or brought in or whatever to that team. It's a huge departure to go from that to Bryce Young. And there are other options available. So I, I think that they might let Houston do what they're doing, jump up to one, grab Bryce Young. At that point, you know Chicago is not taking a quarterback at two. You're probably certain that Arizona is not taking a quarterback at three. All you got to do is hope nobody jumps you into that three spot or two spot. And then you just draft your guy. So who's our guy at four? I don't know. Who would you take it for? Uh, so on one hand, you've got C.J. Stroud, probably most accurate. Feels like the not yeah. I mean, of the of the remaining guys, he's right there with Bryce Young. Feels like the safest. I know some people that have Stroud as their one. Mm. Richardson, we've talked about a bunch as the you know boomer bust type of play. I think that's a fair. It's a fair assessment of him. And Levis is a little boomer bust. I'm also more likely to take a multi-year approach and say I don't I wouldn't hate to have the top pick next year if needed with Caleb Williams and potentially Drake May available there. So oh man, I don't know. Stroud I, I feel like you can win with Stroud on a rookie contract. I think you can win with him on yeah, a rookie contract. How much? <laughs> Stroud's he it's funny, like everyone's going to talk about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis being the most like the most boomer bust or the most polarizing or the most like wide range of outcomes. I actually think Stroud might have uh, an even broader range of outcomes because it's entirely down. Like he showed everything in that Georgia game, everything you want to see. And if that's the game you looked at to the exclusion of everything else, you'd be like, this guy is number one overall. Um, or if you value simply you know, we've talked before about doing it against the best opposition. That's what everyone looks for first. Like, I'm going to go see how he played against Georgia. Like, I've started tapes. I, that's how I started Will Levis' tape. Let's go see how he did against Georgia, particularly that 2021 Georgia defense, like the best defense in college football history. Let's go see how he performed against that and then move from there. So it, it makes sense as, a, as an idea, but it's not necessarily accurate. And as, as it happens, Stroud had – probably the best game of his college career against the Georgia defense in the college football playoffs. And if that's what you were focused on, you would be like, this guy's number one overall. He showed poise. He showed the ability to read quickly through progressions and get the ball where it needs to go. He understood defenses. He played well under pressure. He added on top of when the play broke down, all the things you want to see. The problem is it didn't happen against most teams. So, and actually, some of those things that were strengths against Georgia were consistent weaknesses in his tape, generally in college. So do you come out of that saying, well, he just proved he can do it in the NFL because he did it against the most NFL type of defense he's going to see? Or do you say, yeah, but he didn't do it against some much, much worse teams. That's way more scary. That's his problem. And to me, the fact that he didn't do it consistently against way weaker opposition is a huge red flag. So, um, and that would scare the hell out of me. Part of what you said I really agree with, though, is that C.J. Stroud might be the most polarizing, not, in part because you're trying to figure out, okay, how, how much do you trust Georgia game versus the rest and all that fun stuff. But is he the most polarizing because of its pure risk assessment here? Because if you like when you, when you slap labels on these quarterbacks and you say, boom or bust, high upside, Stroud, we've seen comps to guys like Jared Goff. You know, they're a little bit safer. They're... There's more, they're more accurate, but they don't have the cannon for an arm and this and that, right? 
if 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 Stroud is quote unquote safer than the boomer bust guys, is that really what makes him polarizing? Because you're sitting there at four or seven or nine and you're saying, Do I want do I want a guy who's just accurate? Right? I mean, like from a prospect standpoint, is CJ Stroud closer to Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett? Whereas the recency bias that I keep referencing every single show, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all the guys with, with great tools, whether it's athleticism, arm, whatever it is, those are the guys that perhaps you're chasing in the top 10. I feel like that's why Stroud's polarizing because the, the, the knock on him isn't just we only saw it in one game. It's like, okay, how is he a carry the team type of guy? I think that's where people are going to land on him. And why you're going to say, do I want him at four? Or do I want the, t- the guy that could eventually carry me? I also think, though, that we probably underestimate how wide a range of outcomes these sort of safer, quote unquote, quarterbacks actually have. Like Jared Goff is not a terrible comp for him. And Jared Goff has, on the positive end of his NFL career, been a top 10 quarterback in a, an offense that was dominant. An offense was absolutely cooking. Sean McVay's offense at the peak of its powers Jared Goff looked like a top 10 quarterback. He's also looked like a completely non-functional quarterback in, you know, disastrous Jeff Fisher offense and then the Rams offense when it fell apart and his sort of range has been all over the shop. Like now you've got in Detroit where the numbers are really good. Goff himself isn't necessarily playing that amazingly. So like if he's something akin to Jared Goff, we think of that as middle of the road, get you on the fairway, standard good quarterback. But it's also a guy that could be anything from legitimately part of a Super Bowl winning or a Super Bowl capable team to this doesn't function anymore. This is a train wreck. Like we need to move on. Um, so I, I don't know that his like I don't know that he's the safer pick from those three guys. All right. Well, no, I mean, it makes sense. I understand what you're saying. Safe and risky or boom or bust isn't necessarily the. It's not necessarily the way to think about it, but I think that's maybe how the NFL will. So let's let's pick a quarterback. Who do we want here? Of the three, I would take Levis, but I think I would be in the minority. Levis would probably be my third of Stroud, Richardson, and Levis here. Yeah, that's why I think most people would have. Yeah. I might go this, what I feel like is the safest route in Stroud. You know, like as a team builder, I might say, give me Stroud and I'll, I'll – Trust the model and figure out the rest. Trust the model. Got to trust the model. Hashtag Where's the model, the model have Stroud? Listen, I've focused mostly on non-quarterback. Court, I, I need a better strategy with the quarterback <laughs> model here. Because, okay. like, overall it's good, but it's such a binary hit or miss type of thing. Mm-hmm. I got to figure it out a little bit more. But there's nothing data-driven. I don't think anyone has anything data-driven over the last few years. with the Like, in the, the time period we're talking about that would have properly pointed to Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, and that's going to skew everything. Dak, like none of those guys were stars from a data perspective. So when you rely on data, I need more scouting data, basically (laughs) baked into the model before we get there. But my feeling is Stroud's going to be, I haven't run it yet, but Stroud's probably going to be good. Richardson and Levis, not so good. And Bryce Young, good. So my, my guess would be it's going to be Bryce, Stroud, Levis, Richardson from a data perspective. Okay. Knowing what I know about the model and what it values. Mm. So let's go Stroud. All right. Trust the model-ish. Yeah. Trust the model that you just said not to trust. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going Stroud. So we're sitting at four. And we've got the rest of our draft capital. Now let me make this statement. 
the Colts aren't as bad as they looked last year. Okay. Right? So we're closer. We're closer than you think. <laughs> but the my issue with the Colts era, we've we've described the the Lions and all these other teams as getting incrementally better in the trenches and all these various places. The Colts got were great on the offensive line for a couple of years. It fell apart a little bit, but they can they could salvage that. They never made plays on the perimeter, right? When they brought in Carson Wentz a couple of years ago, I said you cannot have Carson Wentz without an elite group of pass catchers. You just can't do it. Like he won't. He won't succeed. I said this about the Colts two years ago. I said this about Washington last year. And Washington at least tried with uh, Jahan Dotson and everything. You can't do it. So the Colts have been lacking. It's Michael Pittman and friends. They you know, brought in Alec Pierce last year and everything. And you know they've got the big boys at tight end and Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Woods. But they need more on the perimeter for our quarterback. And if we're going to pick Str- whether it's Stroud or Richardson or anybody, none of those guys are succeeding unless we get the fantasy football players. In Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So play fantasy football and get some playmakers. Okay. That needs to happen. So who's your playmakers? They put me on the spot here. Mm. Um, they could be in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. I think any you know any of those uh, teams that have enough draft capital, Colts are back middle of the pack here after years sitting at the top they'd make, as, uh, of salary cap space. They'd make an annoying amount of sense for Brandon Cooks if it wasn't a within the division trade which do happen it's not like it's never happened they do we might overrate those a little bit but yeah i just i mean you know if the lions can trade tj hawkinson to the vikings it feels like the texans can trade brandon cooks to the colts yeah i mean i'm a big fan of of cooks and cooks is a he's like a little band-aid he's a transitional quarterback uh, receiver for you here bridge receiver as you're getting younger at that position they might be another team that wants to use their early second on a receiver for uh, any of that, you know, the Zay, the, the Zay Flowers group, if they fall. There's also, like, I mean, he doesn't necessarily need to be a transition guy. It's just that he never stays anywhere for more than a couple of years. But he's only 29 still. It's amazing. He's played, like, 15 teams. Been traded multiple times for, for good draft picks. Um, the, Colts, the Colts have also looked at their defensive line over the last couple of years. Remember, they spent their first two picks in 2021, right, uh, with Quiddy Pay and Dio... Uh, Odiingbo, they they still feel like they need help on the uh, on the D line as well. So it's again, it's not a great roster. It's just probably not as bad as they looked last year. No. So I, I mean, think going to the D line and playmaker is what I'm looking at here. Yeah, last year everything fell apart. Like the reason that they traded for Matt Ryan in the first place because they thought they were they had a good team and they just needed slightly better quarterback play or the same you know an improvement over Carson Wentz to jump back to the Philip Rivers period of quarterback play and we'd be a playoff team we'd be contending maybe and then the whole thing fell apart and they kind of said that themselves that they the thing that they sold Matt Ryan wasn't the thing that they ended up having now to an extent some of that is they probably miscalculated but a lot of those pieces are still there there is no real reason that it was as bad as it was last season that's what I'm trying like when you look at the depth chart for the Colts I thought Bernard Ryman um, he had a rough start but he ended up settling in as a decent left tackle right so he was fine down the stretch. He was a third-round player, model loved him, who, you know, I think is going to be fine. So I think left tackle looks fine. Quentin Nelson, he was a big disappointment last year as far as how well he played at left guard. Right tackle, Braden Smith, probably a tick below where he normally would be. But three-fifths of your offensive line, I think, are fine. Ryan Kelly at center, and then right guard is just up in the air. But Ryan Kelly at center, solid enough right now. Two more years of him. I think you're just looking at right guard, and you just kind of roll with it. You know, as bad as they looked last year, 
I thought Matt Ryan made it look worse. There sure. was unblocked pressure, and any time he had any semblance of pressure, Matt Ryan just looked like a 37-year-old who couldn't move. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was. It looked worse. So I don't know if there are specific plays to be made on the offensive line other than shore up right guard, get some depth, right? Need better depth than you've had the last couple of years. But I think most of the pieces are there for Indy, so it's not an O-line type of offseason, I don't think, for the Colts. There, are, there can't be that many people that had as bad a debut and then immediately turned it around as Bernard Ryman. Like he, his we debut was that penalties? Broncos game, right? Where yeah. he had, yeah, and they were all, all like holding penalties, yeah. holding or false start. Everything was a, was a penalty that was a, uh-oh, I can't hang at this level type of penalty. And then almost immediately it was like, no, I'm actually good. It was jitters. There's nerves. We're okay now. I mean, you would play like that too if you played in the very worst game in NFL history. True. Recent NFL history, the 12-9 game. I mean, he was a third-round pick. But remember, he was a guy that we had a first-round grade on yeah. who has this you know, slightly strange backstory of you know, he's, he's Austrian, I think. Um, he hasn't played football as long as a lot of these other guys. And yet, despite that, is actually quite a sound technician. And there's a chance that he could get quite good quite quickly. So the fact that he was able to turn that around immediately, I think is probably a good sign. The fact that he, his overall baseline of 73.3 PFF grade was pretty damn good. In fact, almost the second best in the entire offensive line, I think is a good sign. Ryman could actually become a strength of that offensive line pretty quickly. When, so, so, look, I think the line's fine for the Colts. Like every other team that needs playmakers, I'm, I'm thinking about the DeAndre Hopkins market. I'm thinking about the T. Higgins market, if it exists, the Brandon Ayuk market that I just started uh, <laughs> during the last segment. I, I want someone to be there with Michael Pittman. I, I like Michael Pittman as a player. He's a two. I think he's a two, right? Or I want him to be my two, much like T. Higgins, right? I, I'm talking about trading for Higgins. I think Higgins can be a one. I think he's probably a tick better than Pittman and has a little bit more of that number one ability. But when you pair him with a Pittman, it looks that much better. Now, now you're in that like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen as a combo type of type of world. So I'm exploring that market here if I'm the Colts. Yeah. So get the playmakers. Um, I love Jelani Woods. I'm going to throw to Jelani Woods more because he's 6'7", 280. And good things happen when you throw to Jelani Woods. So we're going we're gonna to trust that. We're going to trust the line for Stroud, add some depth there, and then look, look on the defensive side of the ball. You still have DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, Ben Solid as, as uh, you know, the former first-rounder. We, we need some more, more juice off the edge here. I think Nolan Smith from Georgia, undersized edge rusher, uh, missed most of the last season due to injury. He could be a guy whose value ends up really good in the dragon like Nicobe Dean who goes into third you know like Nolan Smith because of the injury and being undersized but he's got he's got that he does have the juice off the edge yeah that could play here in Indy so I would I would try to grab him they're gonna need to get younger at uh, cornerback as well so probably not in the first round or so but they could be a, a, they could be a landing spot for a bunch of cornerbacks that are in the mid rounds and there's a ton of them in this draft yeah that's a good idea right so you get you can go receivers and edge, maybe the first first few picks after after the quarterback, and then load up on corner depth because that because it matches the draft. And go trade for a receiver. Hmm. Did we fix the Colts? Yeah, more or less. Any other uh, any other plays we we can make here in Indy? No, I think we're good. 
Um, if you want more on the Anthony Richardson specific analysis, though, I thought last last show during the Raiders section, I'm trying to remember all this stuff because we go on these tangents and everything. But we, I, I broke down Richardson a little bit more in depth and everything. So if you think Richardson could be in play and you're a Colts fan you know, or a Texans fan or whatever, go listen to the Raiders part of the Fixing the AFC West show because we got a little bit more in depth on Anthony Richardson and some of the pros and cons of him as a prospect. For a cornerback, I like them getting Travius Hodges Tomlinson simply because he's the nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson. So, you know, bloodlines are strong. Yeah, that's good. The, uh, the TCU defense had uh, Hodges Tomlinson, then a guy named Hodges, and I think a guy named Hodge, <laughs> all on the same starting 11. Yeah. Mass confusion. I mean, that's why they got smoked by Georgia. No, they were that's good. That's why. They were good up until that point. Mm-hmm. All right, next up in the AFC South, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags. The Jags. Uh, their biggest free agent is right tackle Jawan Taylor. Uh, they just re-signed Roy Robertson-Harris uh, this weekend. Big six. I think of him as 6'7". He's listed at 6'5". Why do I think he's 6'7"? I don't know. Tall defensive tackle. Mm. Uh, re-signed him up front, for extended him, three years, $10 million. Uh, but it's really just Corey Peters as far as starters on the defensive side who are free agents, a couple depth pieces like Arden Key, Dwayne Smoot. Um, So another team, right, that um, doesn't have a ton missing. Uh, The other big one's tight end, Evan Ingram, and um, basically their top three tight ends or three out of their top four are all free agents. Evan Ingram was a very good receiving option down the stretch. They had him on, what, a one-year? Yeah, they had a one-year $9 million deal for Ingram. Loved that last year. I mean, if you could bring back Ingram for – one year, $9 million again yeah. as a receiving tight end. I would do that. But uh, another team, I would say uh, receiver one, be in the market for all those guys. Yeah, except, you know, Calvin Ridley probably coming back. He applied for reinstatement, right? That was like the last we heard of that. I'd I, let him in. You would? I would let him back, okay. yeah. If I was commission. Yeah, sure. If I was making $43 million a year for a day as Roger Goodell, I'd say let him back. What's $43 million divided by 365 How much is that earning you for a day's work? Hey, Siri, what's $43 million divided by 365 uh, $43 million divided by oh God. 365 is approximately 117,808.2191. Huh. It's a pretty good salary for it a day. It's a pretty good day's work. Yeah. Yeah, if you could get that. What do you think those checks look like every two weeks? I don't know. I think he earns a lot more than that now as well. Is he over 43 million? I think it's a lot more than 43, yeah. 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 Good for Raj. I mean, I'd I'd take 120 grand to say yes to Calvin Ridley. He makes that much money so he can be the face because he's so good at saying nothing at the three press conferences he does a year. And remember the the congressional hearing where you have to go and spend a whole day saying nothing. Yeah, it's really really impressive. If you could say nothing... (laughs) And never, you know, tie yourself in knots. Mm-hmm. Or, Four or five times a year. Or get angry or show any kind of emotion. Yeah. You know, just deadpan, say nothing. Deadpan waffle, no matter what's thrown your way. You need you, some thick skin. You two can get $50 million a year. You're going to get booed every public appearance. Yes. People will hate you. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because you're, like, you're rich. You're, like you're walking on stage and I'm like, I'm making $118,000 today to get booed. It's okay. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like draft weekend, he's almost making half a mil like just you, to like walk, walk out there out, and announce some picks. Right. You walk out, the chorus of booze rains down upon you, and in your brain, all you're thinking of is the pool that you're adding to the house based off this day's work. You know? Yeah. I'd do that. Yeah. It'll it's work. easy to tune out the, bo- the booze, <laughs> I would say. very easy. Just focus on the thing you're buying with the money you're earning for this boo. 
This is this is why we're the we're a top five NFL podcast feature, featuring an Irishman. Yeah, that's why. So uh, with the Jags, I, look, I keep saying wide receiver one, only because when Calvin Ridley was the guy, they traded Julio Jones. It didn't go great. That was his worst season. When Calvin Ridley was a two, with Julio Jones as the guy, he was a he's a great route runner. He's a good short intermediate threat. He's decent down the field, not great. But maybe it's with Calvin Ridley plus Zay Jones plus Christian Kirk. You can make it happen. Either way, I loved the buy-low move of bringing Calvin Ridley in hmm. um, for the last year of his contract here. And he did have some really impressive numbers while Julio Jones was there, but when Julio Jones was injured and out of the game and he was essentially the number one. Then when he was the true number one after they'd gotten rid of Julio Jones, the entire offense started to kind of fall apart anyway. So I'm not sure it's quite as simple as he can't function as that alpha guy in the offense. I think with Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback, and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and if they bring Evan Ingram back and then Calvin Ridley, that I think he could function as a number one. The reason why I keep saying this or and why I, in past years, loved uh, an Allen Robinson here for the Jags, making his return, whatever it might be, was more stylistically for Trevor Lawrence because I want him – throwing to a big-bodied receiver down the field. I think he's got that back shoulder ability. Lawrence, the way he throws the ball. He's made some incredible throws to guys like Marvin Jones. Jones is a free agent getting a little bit older. I just want that type of receiver as an option for Trevor Lawrence. And that's why, again, T. Higgins, not to say T. Higgins for everybody, but they should be calling the Bengals about T. Higgins as well. If we're we're in year three of Trevor Lawrence, you're in the middle of that window, attack attack, attack with playmakers. That's how you're going to potentially take that next step here. Mm-hmm. What else we got here for the Jags? Right tackle, Jawan Taylor. He's an interesting player. He's really developed as a pass blocker. Coming out of Florida, he was kind of the opposite. It was uh, Mahler in the run game. He struggled in the run game, whiffed on a ton of blocks last year. But he's only 25 years old and starting to improve. I don't love him. But knowing the age and the fact that this is where offensive linemen break out, Taylor's going to have a market here at right tackle. This was a weird offensive line. It was by far the most one-dimensional line in the entire NFL. They were dead last in PFF run-blocking grade as a unit, but they ranked like top 10 as a pass-blocking group. They were pretty good. So obviously that's the more important element, particularly if you know Trevor Lawrence is the guy that's supposed to carry this team to new heights. But it makes it difficult to kind of get a handle on exactly how good this offensive line is even at an individual component level and how you want to go about improving it because most of them are actually reasonably good or have been reasonably effective from a pass blocking standpoint it's the run blocking that's really been an issue and you can offset that to a large degree with a guy like Travis Etienne who has the explosion and the burst to turn small gaps into giant plays even when the overall blocking isn't there. So their offensive line, I think, is a difficult one to figure out exactly how to approach going forward. They schemed up some of those explosives as well, right? When you get just get ETN in space, and um, I know Walker Little has been the backup tackle the last couple of years. He could step in at right tackle. I just don't love, I don't love any of them. I, Cam Robinson has just been okay the last couple of years. He's gotten better, but they've got him locked up. I don't love Walker Little, so I would invest – draft capital they could be a Dewan Jones in the second round type of play, uh, type of team as well in my opinion um, so I think there's a little bit maybe more to do as far as adding some depth there and then defensively I think they've made 
they've made big strides, right? There were, there was definitely some games where you saw the playmakers, the, the Trayvon Walkers and Devin Lloyds and Josh Allen and some of the athleticism that they bring to the table. But they just need more they just need better players, more consistency. But there's a chance that this defense takes a huge stride or huge step forward this year with that youth. Who knows if Trayvon Walker ever starts to figure it out if 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 he really is a Rashawn Gary late bloomer type. That late blooming started late year two for Rashawn Gary, so we could see a little bit from Trayvon Walker. Devin Lloyd, as I mentioned, the other first round pick showed flashes, but he was inconsistent in and out of the lineup, still like Chad Muma at linebacker. Um, there's a question about Shaquille Griffin. He had a, a down season. If he's a guy that's a, a cut candidate here, but I think there's definitely some more playmakers to add on the defensive side here. Doesn't it also feel like we've been saying this for several years about the Jags defense that the pieces are there? Like there's a lot of young talent. If they just develop at some point, they're going to be really good. And then they never develop any of them ever. Yeah. So that you feels wanna... problematic. It does. They got picked 24, 56, 88, so three in the top 100. You go in – if we go the trade route, if we if we bring in someone else at receiver like I'm thinking about, you might lose some of those picks. But even if you don't, are you going to go defense early on here or thinking about Trevor Lawrence a little bit more on offense? I'm not – yeah, like I'm not blown away at the idea of adding receivers to this group. I, I would add one maybe, but – I'm kind of – I don't necessarily mind where that comes from. Um, so I wouldn't be rushing to do it in the draft. Uh, I think they can add like a – they just need to add a body to the receiver room. I'm not even sure that it needs to be the top guy, the alpha. This is all assuming Calvin Ridley comes back and is reinstated. If he isn't – Right. If Raj says no for his 120 grand a day or whatever it is, then it's a totally different conversation because now you're back where you were this year, which is – Hey, the Christian Kirk thing worked fine, but you'd really need that number one guy. So that's totally different. But assuming they do get Calvin Ridley back and he's anything like what he was when he got suspended, then I think they have the bodies to work with. You just add like another option to the receiving room somewhere. Um, they don't have they're – they're over the cap right now, but they've got plenty of time to – or plenty of ability to free up some space. They're in the same kind of bracket as – Minnesota, Buffalo, Miami, in terms of being able to free up money so they could spend in free agency or accommodate a big contract for a guy they trade for, a Brandon Ayuk plus extension, a T. Higgins plus extension, whatever. Um, to me, I, I would still add bodies to that defense until it actually starts to come around and play to the some of the talent. Before we do that, one other option at 24 could be the tight end, Michael Mayer. Oh, I, yeah. I love pairing him with teams that have decent receivers, right, especially with the tight end need there. Um, even if you did bring Evan Ingram back. Now we're talking Doug Peterson at his best with multiple tight ends and multiple options. That's why I keep saying maybe receivers still a play here because they did such a good job scheming it up for Christian Kirk. They play to their receivers' strengths pretty well in Jacksonville, so having different skill sets does always help. Um, so I think tight end could be in play. I'm with you as far as adding – more to the defense. I do wonder if they do end up moving on from Shaquille Griffin or even if they keep him. The other side, they had the breakout season from Tyson Campbell. Still need more bodies out there. Um, Darius Williams is there as well. Do they Are they in play for one of those late first-round corners if, um, if the Joey Porter Juniors of the world are available? 
deep corner, a deep group of corners. I think at least one corner in their first three picks in the in the top eighty. There makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I could see them moving on from Griffin. The the question they're going to have is, do you trust Darius Williams as your outside guy, and are you prepared to leave him there and say that that's where he's best? It's and, where he is best. It's right. where he is best, and yeah. therefore you're actually focusing on a slot corner with your next guy because you really don't have one of those if Darius Williams is your full-time outside guy. I have to watch Brian Branch a little bit closer, but he has, he's getting a ton of buzz right now. Um, plays safety, can play slot, can really do a lot. I don't know if he's available at 24 potentially, the Bama safety star, nickel, um, but he could be just a good – bringing a good defensive player to help in that secondary. Yep, and then they really – like the one of the nothing could help this defense more than Devin Lloyd remembering how he played the first three four weeks of the season and doing that again rather than how he played from every game subsequently. Yeah, Lloyd should be good. I think the, I think those linebackers will take a, a good step in year two here. He should be, but he, he really wasn't for, for most of the season. Yeah, I understand. It Got was so strange. A little bit. Like the first few weeks of his season were really odd to watch on tape because he made a ton of plays. You could see all the things that everybody loved about him as a draft prospect, the range, the ability he has to uh, make plays on the ball in coverage, his just his athletic ability and what he can do. But you saw also Olakun basically directing him pre-snap almost every single play. So Olakun was the guy, you know, the green dot, the guy calling the defense, the guy getting everybody lined up. But like half of his time pre-snap was spent doing that, and then the other half seemed to be spent getting Devin Lloyd in the right place almost every single play. So it's like Olakun's doing his own job and kind of doing half of Devin Lloyd's job as well. And then Lloyd was able to sort of make the play from that point on. And then he stopped making the play. I don't know if something broke down. Olakun tried to let him, you know, stand in his own two feet after a while. Although even late in the season, you still saw him doing a lot of directing. But I don't know, that whole dynamic just seemed very strange. I'm uh, just going to throw one other name out there. Number 56 on our draft board currently, Kayshawn Booty from LSU. First-round potential. That's really how you pronounce that, Booty? Yep. Perfect. Looked it up. Okay. What would you go with? I would have said boot based off how Bo- it's booty. spelled. Booty. Booty. Okay. Booty. All right. Someone can, can correct me. I've been wrong before. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying it's notable. But the LSU receiver – could be another nice second-round potential play. Um, he was in and out of the doghouse with um, Brian Kelly at LSU and everything. But, you know, first round, maybe you get a, if Brian Branch is available, come back with Booty in the second round. Mm-hmm. Corner, pick 80, 83, whatever they have. Boom, fixed. Jags. Sound good? Yep. Remember the Titans. Let's fix the Tennessee Titans. Was this the show that we forgot them last year, or was it the preview? Previous year, I think. Maybe it was last year. One of these years, we definitely forgot the Titans. Definitely forgot the Titans. Uh, Been freeing up a ton of cap space. Uh, Robert Woods released. What were the other releases? They had Woods and uh, Taylor Lewan. Yeah. Both released. So when when we kept saying a lot of these teams have starters returning, and they seem fine, the Titans did until they had to clear all that cap space and they lost. Did until they did. Now, now they have a, a massive need at left tackle. They continue to need playmakers. Um, they're just uh, reshaping the roster here in Tennessee. Yeah. 
There's rumors about a potential Ryan Tannehill release if they were to move on from him. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense right now. Depends but. what they do. Uh, what's the plan? Because it's probably quite clearly not Malik Willis based off everything they did last season. Yeah, uh, I don't think it is either. Uh, I don't think Tennessee, Mike Vrabel, they pick at 11. I don't know. They have six draft picks total. I don't know if they're, it's a full rebuild mm. in, in Tennessee right now. It's still the AFC South. They're a couple players away from being right back on track. Tannehill's good when he's healthy. They are in the quadrant of not good when it comes to the combination of draft capital and spending room. Um, they don't have a lot of money to spend. They don't have a lot of draft capital. They do at least have the capacity to free up a ton of money, some of which they've already done with the, the moves that you, you talked about. But this is not a team that's like, they're not in a position having already torn it down to then start the rebuild. If they're starting a rebuild, it's it's the it's what Chicago did a year ago, where they're actually stripping this thing first before they can go anywhere. We have Walt in the chat here referring to Walt in the third person. That's a big red flag. Walt thinks the Titans could move on from Tannehill. Yeah. Per Walt. Generally speaking, referring to yourself in the third person, I think, is a pretty massive red flag. Plus, his name is all caps, and he refers to himself as Walt in all caps. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just accurate. Yeah. From a, you know, the, the grammatical That's his name. Standpoint. That's his name. I don't know where to start here with Tennessee. I mean, well, let, why, why are we here? I mean, we're, I think we're here because all of the money has been spent on the Harold, Harold Landry's and Bud Dupree's yeah. of the world. Let's start with that. I mean, it's a new regime now. They've changed GM. So, but let's, let's quickly recap why that has happened because they currently have a ton of money tied up in two generally ineffective pass rushers. They also made the decision to, instead of paying A.J. Brown, who's been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL since he entered the league, we're going to trade him away, we're going to sign Robert Woods for almost the same amount of money, and we're going to draft uh, the biggest project in that first round of Traylon Burks to essentially replace him. Well, Burks was injured and the, offensive line, and the offensive line fell apart, and the offense generally fell apart, so he wasn't able to make that kind of impact as a rookie. And Robert Woods just didn't look like the same guy after coming back from his ACL. So that was a complete and total unmitigated disaster. And a year later, you've cut Robert Woods, and now Traylon Burks has to be that guy because there's no other option. That, those are two or three monstrously catastrophic moves from a personnel standpoint. Yeah. So, do we roll with so Tannehill has another year left on his deal, which was fine. I thought the Tannehill deal was fine, right? It was when we talk about what what are teams going to do with Derek Carr right now. Tannehill at age thirty two basically signed a, uh, a four year extension or three year extension after being there in twenty twenty. I think it was. I mean, if you trade away or if, if you cut, if you get rid of Tannehill. That to me is the start of the Chicago teardown job. Like if that, if you get rid of Tannehill, to me that signals we're burning this to the ground, and then next year we'll start to rebuild from the ashes. I just don't know if I want to do that with Mike Vrabel as my head coach. Why not? Well, first off, if I did try to tank or so, Vrabel's gonna accidentally win six or seven games. <laughs> Yeah, he just will. Well, that's why you make his life as, as difficult as possible and almost prohibit him from doing that that's by taking all of his John good players Robinson's away. John not there anymore because he made well, he it did life difficult. But like, you know, Chicago, you do what Chicago did, which is we're going to make it almost impossible for you to win games because you're going to have no good players left. 
There won't be anybody. Nobody. We're going to take all your receivers away, all your offensive linemen away. Your defense will have nobody except 21-year-olds. Good luck winning seven games with this. I don't know. You're saving almost $18 million getting rid of Tannehill. You still have 18 almost 19 in dead money. I think you just roll with his. It's his 35-year-old season. Wow, Tannehill's getting old. Yeah. Um, just roll with him for one more year. For what? You can't win with this. It's the AFC South. How hard can it be? Um, yeah. Yeah, but now that the AFC South contains Trevor Lawrence and a, and a Jacksonville team that's actually starting to look pretty good. You want to go full... Uh, I mean, they're going to make the call. Like if they, uh, we got to re-sign Jeffrey Simmons. By the way, we'll re-sign. I paid Simmons the big money. Right. If they probably cut Bud. If they dump Tannehill, that's that's the start of it. And I, it sounds like they might. Oh, I didn't love Petit Friere at right tackle. I need a left tackle. You need a whole offensive line. Ben Jones is the only guy in that offensive line that's like held his own. And he's getting old in the last year of his contract. Yeah. So you do need a complete offensive line. You need a wide receiver beyond Traylon Burks, several of them, in fact. Your tight end room is – I mean, Chickaconquo actually played well, so he becomes your number one guy. Yeah. Austin Hooper, who cares? Derrick Henry, you're stuck with his contract, and he can't carry this thing by himself. The defense, you've got some pieces, but it's not – like it's being held together by Vrabel. I think you tear this thing down. Only six draft picks. Yeah. Trade everybody away that somebody will give you a draft pick for. Who would take Tannehill right now? Nobody. No, so I'm not saying Tannehill. I'm saying everybody. Like anyone, yeah, but, but anyone that teams, somebody will throw you a draft pick for, trade them away. The teams that are willing to look at Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo certainly are going to be looking at Ryan Tannehill as well. It's a comparable piece. I mean, maybe and they can get him for fra- they can get him for half the price, basically. He's a lot Jimmy. older and busted than those guys. Well, Jimmy G, but yeah, at least for this year, though, you can get him for like eighteen million. I don't think Derek it. Carr and Ryan Tannehill are in the same conversation at the moment, just because Carr's younger. Uh, yeah, and not as broken. Like the team, I don't think a team looking at Derek Carr is all of a sudden going, "Well, Ryan Tannehill." I, I think there are two different conversations. Washington could play that game again. Tannehill could be good in Washington. We've got, uh, I think, one of the, not to jinx it, but I think one of the interviews we have scheduled for the Combine is Ron Rivera. We can ask him about QB vibes and whether he vibe Tannehill. You, you want to work on your... Sam Howell right now, but... Uh, you got to work on your journalism here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, we'll, we'll get to the Bucks later. Last year at this time, the Bucks were like, yeah, Blaine Gabbert's our guy. Of course. Of course yeah. we're building around Blaine Gabbert. They were lying, and everybody knew it. But now they're doing the Kyle Trask thing. Like, Kyle Trask. It's like literally the only QB on the roster. So, Kyle Trask's team. Right. And I, I, I don't know if Washington's doing the same thing like Sam Howell's team, just yeah. because he's the guy. It's fascinating. He's like, the only, just because it's him and Wentz. <laughs> literally every single year, coaches, GMs, and NFL people ball-face lie to journalists constantly. And then every year, you get this chorus of like, oh, they just said this guy's the starter. Yes. We don't believe them. Like, from a lot of experience of them lying to you in the past, we have decided on this particular occasion to not believe the words that are coming out of their mouth. They're just trying to get back at journalists for when they lie. Yeah. Going back and forth at each other here. So, So like, they can spend the next seven months. Seven months? How many months is it? They can spend the next several months saying that Sam Howell is the starter. It won't be until day one happens and he is the starter that I believe it. Back to the Titans, Sam. Back to the Titans. 
So they blow it up. So we blow it up. Who is the first team? This is the second team that we said they're the best move is to tear it down. Arizona. Arizona makes a lot of sense, though. So does this. Arizona. But I, I like the teardown when it coincides with new GM and new head coach. That's okay, what's well, happening in Arizona. New GM, not new head coach. So here's the thing, right? Instead of getting... How do you... I want you. You go walk into Mike Vrabel's office uh-huh. and say, look, Mike, we might need to take one step back to take two steps forward. Okay, Mike? And then you, listen, I was at training camp when the Bucks and Titans were having a joint practice and they, they got into a little tussle, a little mm-hmm. fight. Helmets flying everywhere and everything. And a helmetless, of course, Mike Vrabel just jumps into the middle of it. Yeah. Right? Like there's no one you'd, no one you'd rather on your side no. in a fight than Mike Vrabel. Uh-huh. And you're going to walk into his office and tell him, Tearing it down. No, no, no. I'm going to summon him to my office. Let's start this thing the right way. Ah. Okay. Power move. You can't, yeah. you can't go hat in hand to the man and be like, hey, Mike, you got to be like, Mike, I'll see that, you at my office at 9 a.m. Is that how Russ got does some it? some things to discuss. And then when he comes in, take a seat. Russ was like, hey, Nathaniel, then meet just, me in my office at 9 a.m. Here's how it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, I read that article, by the way, after, and it, it's not... There's no new information in it. It's just like Russ had his own office and his people. We already knew that. Yeah, but there's a bunch All of, of words, this, painting But even pictures. the people, the people sounded entirely, like when it was said, the, the sort of, oh, Russ had his staff. And you thought like secretary, like social, whatever. It's, it was like a nutritionist, his own personal quarterback trainer, which we talked about, or these guys are Everybody having a larger and larger role yeah. in the NFL anyway. Uh, and a physio or, or a, you know, some kind of, body working human, you know, physio, trainer, whatever, something like that, right? Those seem like three fairly reasonable people to be involved directly with the quarterback of your team, even if it is outside of the organization technically. Like, I didn't, I don't know, the whole thing actually sounded vaguely reasonable, other than you gave him his own office on the second floor when the locker room is on the first floor, and all of a sudden you're putting him up with the coaches and the GMs. Like, that's the goof. Actually, everything else Kind of sounded reasonable. Anyway, I digress. You My do. point being, here's the, you, you're like, in an ideal world, you tear it down, we get a new GM, a new head coach, and then we see if it works. How about we get a new GM, which we already have, and instead of a new head coach, it could be good or bad, we're going to start with a good coach. We're, uh, one that's already there. We already have a good coach. We don't need to find a new one. New GM, we're going to tear this thing down, and we know that if we do it right, we have a good coach who can build this thing really well. I don't think Mike's going to have a problem with saying, this thing is a disaster right now. The last guy left me a mess, and it's going to take me 12 months to clear it up. We're, we're obviously speaking about discussions that have already happened. Rand Carthon's the new GM, former Gator. Um, Go Gators. They've already had these discussions, right? They, they know this. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they, if they do go this route. Um, the reason to do it, like you said, Trevor Lawrence is in the division. And just like if you have, not that he's at Mahomes level, but if you have a Mahomes in the division, or if you have a top, you know, Josh Allen in the division, you're always saying, how am I going to compete with that every single year? Titans don't look like they're ready to compete with that going forward. And they don't look and like we they... saw that we saw, you know, we saw them pass each other in the night. And they don't look like they have the capacity to get there either, which is the problem. Like, they, they don't have the roster to do it. They don't have the draft capital to build the roster, and they don't have the spending room to go and do anything different. So... They are primed for a rebuild. 
All right, so then what else are we doing? Trading away everybody. There's a fire sale going on. For sale is hung on the depth chart and faxed over, faxed. You can't trade Harold Landry. The dead money is too team. crazy. You can't trade Harold Landry. You can you could trade Bud Dupree. Would you trade Kevin Byard? Yeah, if anybody's listening and anybody wants to give me the offer. Landry, Byard, Tannehill. Tannehill, I don't think anybody's trading for. You're going to have to cut him, which I'm fine with. Roll with Malik Willis and just see? Or are you drafting somebody at 11? Nobody's left. I'm not drafting somebody. because Maybe if one of the top four falls. Draft pick is too valuable, but I might see if I can trade for somebody that won't be automatically ridiculed as a starting option. Like maybe, <sighs> I don't know what the cost for Trey Lance is at the moment, but I might see what the 49ers would be willing to part with or would okay. be willing to, to take to now get Trey Lance. Now we're talking. Give me Trey Lance with Malik Willis backing him up? Yeah. Like, I don't know what that costs at this point because the sunk cost is three first-round draft picks. I don't know what the, uh, the depreciation is on Trey Lance at this stage or if the 49ers are going to want to keep him because of the Brock Purdy elbow thing being potentially more serious than it sounded initially. Now you have a good idea. I like that idea. But I'd so, pick up the phone anyway and find out. So you free up some money. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would sign um, sign players will be part of the rebuild, as I always say. Maybe trade for Trey Lance with some of the new draft capital that you have from flipping some of the veterans. And we're resetting this Titans roster. Yeah. Get some I playmakers mean, in there. Traylon Burks, I think, will be fine, but another guy. Literally. Like a Pittman. I yes. like him as a two. Literally everybody on this roster I am open to phone calls for. So, Bud, if anyone will give me anything for Bud, gone. Um, Bayard, I would listen to offers for. Danico Autry, trade away potentially. I don't know, maybe Ben Jones, someone will give you something for a quality starting center. Anybody. All right. We're Open restarting. for business. We're restarting in Tennessee. Have we fixed the Titans? No, we haven't given them who you're, who you're drafting. Once you strip this thing down, let's say they don't acquire anything else in the first round. Number 11. Paris Johnson. Probably the most common pick. Ohio State offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. He could play left tackle. Step in for Taylor Luan. That's what just feels so uncomfortable here, right? Like you had to get rid of Luan. Now I have to replace him. Yeah. Right? I've got a million other things to do, but now I have to go replace Taylor Luan and other things. So, yeah, this is going to be an uncomfortable offseason for the Titans. I think they have to take a step back here to reset things. It also always feels, maybe this is only to me, but it always feels a little bit weird to, if you need like a complete offensive line, you got to start somewhere. But like bringing in a left tackle with a first-round draft pick, it feels like that should be a sort of transformative thing. You know, I spent a first-round pick, number 11 overall, on a player, yeah. and now you fix one-fifth of your offensive line. Yeah, there's more to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to do it, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't, it doesn't give you the feels. Yeah. It doesn't give you the feels, but it has to happen. Uh-huh. So I like Paris Johnson there. And then all the other types of players that we talked about. Yes. Second wave of free agency. Get all those guys. And uh, re-sign Jeffrey Simmons. Sound good? Yep. Uh-oh. What's going on with Ultimate here? My depth charts. Didn't load. Atlanta Falcons are up next. And we get a bug. We get a bug in my system here. A bug. We have to cancel the show. Can't have it. If the uh, Falcons depth chart doesn't load. Maybe it's the same thing bringing down uh, Google this morning. Oh, it's probably, yeah. There's a, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> What's going on? So the Falcons are up next. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea who's on their team. Yeah. They don't have the depth charts. Go to our lads. Well, first uh, first conversation is, what are they doing at quarterback? Are they rolling oh, with Desmond Ritter? I don't want to. You don't want to? No. But then what do you want to do? 
I don't want to draft the other guys either. You don't want to draft. <laughs> so they pick I at, want Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. They pick at eight. Yeah, I'm aware. So that's one, two, three quarterback needy teams ahead of them in the draft. And Carolina, one pick behind them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, by that point, I don't think I'm going to trade up from eight. Too many other things to do in Atlanta. I mean, you might roll with Desmond Ritter and be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes next year. This roster has to get better, though. Arthur Smith's heading into year three here. They have to keep making strides. They were competitive last year. They played pretty well. And the offense is actually kind of fun. Like, it's not bad either. The offensive line was really good in this system. They're losing Caleb McGarry to free agency. I would suggest they let him walk because as good as he was this year and was incredible as a run blocker, pass protection still wasn't great, and they didn't pass block an awful lot, that I wouldn't commit a big amount of money to him. Um, so they're going to need a right tackle at some point. But their big thing is they, they need a defense. Anybody on defense. They, they have almost no impact players whatsoever on the defensive side of the ball. And even the ones that look like they found various points along the way, like A.J. Terrell didn't have a good year. Um, they just need talent on that side of the ball. Well, let me ask you this. We, we keep saying, oh, nobody's going to be available. If Stroud is there, I think I would take Stroud. I mean, I think I would take, I don't know, would I take one of those quarterbacks? I mean, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, if they're available there. Just imagine Richardson in that offense. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'd take Richardson. I think I'd take Richardson. Like, think of how effective it was with Marcus Mariota, despite the fact that Mariota basically couldn't pass the ball. I mean, Richardson's not a better passer right now, but he could be. No, but he's got a better arm and can make more spectacular plays, and he's yeah. a far better runner than Mariota, even though Mariota is good at that. Like, this offense is already set up to have a very high floor with a guy like Richardson at quarterback, and then if he can do anything as a passer. And it's not like it's, it's erratic, it's inconsistent, it's volatile, but it isn't like there are no passing um, traits to Anthony Richardson. Like, he wants to be a pocket passer. He wants to process. He wants to read defenses. It's just that right now he's really inconsistent at it, and when he doesn't, he goes just ad-libs and makes crazy things happen like it's not it's different to Malik Willis who I don't think sort of showed those traits like Malik Willis didn't really want to do those kinds of things Malik Willis was like one read and then bounce and the bouncing was special and the one read often had the ability to be special because of his arm but I think they're very different in terms of where they are right now from a sort of fundamental passing point of view all right give me Richardson at eight if he's there. We're talking about him going number one overall. Yeah. Uh, in other places. Maybe I will take that. Uh, you know what? What else are we going to do as the Falcons? Let me stick to my guns here. We'll I'm taking a quarterback. Defense. I'm taking a quarterback. Okay. Taking a QB. And if that doesn't work, I'm taking a QB next year. <laughs> you're ruining you're ruining Carolina's offseason is what you're doing. Carolina's sitting there at nine going, oh, yeah. this is a jackpot. Richardson's going to be here. Richardson's one pick away. They're writing the card out. And then Atlanta drafts Richardson. Carolina's playing your game, but we'll talk about them in a second. We'll get there. Um, I understand the defense has some some serious issues, and we can go that route as well. Uh, what else do we have? Draft? I'm just losing my mind here because I can't get into <laughs> ultimate. Don't know what's happening. Talking to my developers. What's going on, guys? Hmm. No answer. 
No, it's, it's a rough scene. It is. Uh, average draft capital for Atlanta here, from what I'm seeing, 44, 75, eight total picks. And um, at least the cap situation's better than it was last year at this time. Yeah. A lot of cap space. Yeah, ton to of money, slightly above average draft capital. They, they can have a good offseason. Using that on defense? I think they have to. They could, they could make the, the Marcus Davenport play, this, the, the edge rusher that they've been looking for in Atlanta for the last 10 years. Marcus Davenport would be interesting. They could also be the team to make the what I think would be the sort of biggest splash of Javon Hargrave. Um, he's probably... To go next to Grady Jarrett. Yeah, he's probably like the prize of free agency with Deron Payne getting taken off the market by the, by the franchise tag from the looks of it. At that point, like Hargrave is probably the key free agent at a non-quarterback position. Jesse Bates would be the other one, but safety I think is significantly less valuable. So that's that's maybe the first team I've come across that actually makes some sense to throw money at Javon Hargrave. Do I have some answers here? I do not. Great. Okay. So, yeah, I like it. Let's throw some money at the defense. I'll take a quarterback at eight because what else are you going to do? Desmond Ritter looked okay. Yeah. Do you have to give him a, a chance to prove himself? No. I mean, this is the NFL. It's a, uh, it's a tough world. <laughs> it is. You, you had a shot. You didn't grasp it with both hands. You played okay. And now we're in a position to get a guy we think is better. So, unlucky. As with every other team, I'm adding more playmakers as well. Love the Drake London pick. I'm also going to use Kyle Pitts better. I'm going to use him more in the pass game. Is that your decision to make? Isn't that uh, Arthur's call? Smith, not blank? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, technically, it's both. I mean, what what would it take to trade Kyle Pitts at this point? To trade him? Yeah. You can't trade him after drafting a number four overall. 19 million dead money. Yeah, it's not helping at all. Yeah, but, like, what a waste. Yeah, I would use him more, but I'm not Arthur. What a waste. Like, I'm, why? I'm, in fact, neither Arthur. You could have had Jamar Chase instead if you don't like tight ends. If you don't want to use a tight end, or you drafted a tight end that plays receiver. Yeah. Or you could just use him as your X receiver. So I would use Kyle Pitts more. I would encourage him. Still only 23 years old. I would encourage him to be used more. So you have him and Drake London. You got those big bodied dudes. Give give them one of the, the shorter, you know, give them a Josh Downs, speed and quicks at receiver as well. And then literally every defensive player you can think of fits for the Falcons. You can't go too crazy in free agency. Because then you lose all flexibility going forward. You become uh, the 2014 Bucks, who just bought a whole bunch of players that didn't do much. Yeah, well, so alternatively, you were, you know, ridiculously concerned about the spending spree that the Patriots went on. Now here we are two years later, and they have plenty of cap space, and they're fine. So, so do it wisely. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, but it's because the Patriots paid a whole bunch of mid, mid-tier type of free agents for a lot of money with outs after two years. Yeah, I'm just saying that maybe the you know you can you can spend in free agency. Just it's not a problem as long as you plan it out. You're fine. All right, are we uh, are we fixed? Yeah, as much as we can be, I think. Is ultimate fixed? No. Is other ultimate working for you, or is this just uh, other depth ultimate? Charts? Other things in ultimate working, or is it just IQ falling apart here? Uh, it's just IQ. Perfect. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Can I get some answers here, somebody? Carolina. Let's go Carolina Panthers. Uh, what I was going to say is the Panthers are employing your strategy of just spending a ton on the uh, assistant coaches. 
Yeah. Right? Like they were getting a lot of big name assistant coaches or guys that were in head coaching searches and, you know, the support staff looking good in Carolina. Yeah, Frank, Frank Reich is building out a good staff by the looks of it. Um, and, yeah, David Tepper does appear to be one of those owners. I mean, he was the richest NFL owner before the Waltons waited in and just, like, blew the scale to hell by being, you know, 10x what everybody else is. Um, and then maybe Jeff Bezos comes in for Washington and just, oh, yeah, you think you're the richest? Watch this. Um, yeah, so David Tepper has that kind of money if he wants to just escalate this and go, you know what, my team has been unsatisfactorily pedestrian during my tenure, I'm going to change that right now by spending money in all the areas that you guys can't or won't. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Now, what do you want to do at quarterback? Number nine and seven total picks here. You have nine, 39, 61, and 93 in the top 100. At pick number nine, are you going to try to move up to one, move up to four? I mean, well, based off, four? based off what we've been doing for other teams – they can't sit at nine because apparently no quarterback is going to make it that far. Although, actually, from what we've done, is Levis still around? We gave C.J. Stroud. We maybe give to Richardson to the Raiders. We gave Well, we gave Richardson to Atlanta just now, so whatever. He's not making it to nine. Um, we yeah. might have given Levis to the Raiders. I think of all the teams, Atlanta is less likely to draft a quarterback. So I do yeah. think you're looking at three quarterbacks off the board and one of the top four available at nine, but it's your fourth option. Yeah, and I don't know if you want to, like, if they don't get a quarterback, they're kind of screwed. So yeah. can they afford to, that's a hell of a gamble. Can they afford to play that kind of Russian roulette where if you, you sit there and go, we're, we're not moving from nine, we have faith that, that our quarterback will be there, and then he isn't, now what do you do? So you want to trade up? Give it to Sam Darnold again? No. I'm not giving it to Sam Darnold. Give it to uh, Matt Corral after a year healing from his foot. So it, because you're at nine, though, are you willing to play the Derek Carr game? That's the other thing we've done here. We said Aaron Rodgers' best fit's probably the Jets. But if you're the Raiders, you're going you're gonna to play in that world too. Well, this is where they might have to because, you know, you look at the landscape and what it's going to cost to get to where you're comfortable with in terms of drafting a quarterback. Um, or you get into that. Derek Carr sweepstakes, which doesn't sound like they've been tremendously active in. They're also another team that I don't know if they're in the Washington and Indianapolis bucket of being fairly snake-bitten when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, they traded for Sam Darnold, disaster. They traded for Baker Mayfield, even bigger disaster. Um, they were willing to basically punt last year with drafting a quarterback. Matt Corral got hurt anyway, so they didn't get anything out of that. Now it's like, they must be a very sort of chasing team when it comes to having drafted quarterbacks or not drafted if it comes to acquiring quarterbacks how short-sighted do you want to be here we always joked about the afc south how hard could it be well the nfc south now the reason why every team has been linked to Derek carr is because you can win the division with Derek carr right now if we have just released ryan Tannehill in tennessee <laughs> you could pick up ryan Tannehill for like an 18 million dollar cap hit here $20 million cap hit for this year as a bridge, but the best bridge you've had since Bridgewater. The best bridge since Bridgewater. Do you go Tannehill? Frank Reich working with him as you're building the rest of the roster here in Carolina? Remember, their defense played really well last year. They were, they were almost close to competing in the NFC South. 
We traded um, we traded Lamar somewhere, right? Didn't we have somebody acquiring Lamar Jackson? Well, I was sending him to Seattle. Carolina would be an interesting. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I think we traded him somewhere else, though. Maybe Carolina would be an interesting team to see what Lamar Jackson would cost. Yeah, I agree with that. And by the way, what he would cost is an astronomical sum. When you consider what Russell Wilson went for, that has to be the starting ask for any, like two first round draft picks is fine, but Russell went for what two firsts, two seconds, a three players, and like a fifth or something. So, like that's the starting ask. Yeah, the chat's talking about the Falcons maybe getting Lamar too. You get that same answer of that offense, right? That was so run heavy last year and one sided. The Falcons or Panthers could both be in the mix for Lamar Jackson, but it's two firsts plus. 45 million guaranteed yeah. over five and years. They would struggle probably. to make that happen from a salary cap point of view. Yeah. The, the problem with so much guaranteed, again, is you lose the flexibility to just build the rest of the, of the roster there. And I think Lamar's fantastic. You just, you can't, like, Lamar's fantastic, but I think the Ravens have had, outside of receiver, as good of a support system for him as, as you can have. Coaching, front office, roster, other than receiver. Ravens have been really, really good. So you're taking them out of that ecosystem and into another one. There is, there is risk attached to that. I think with Carolina, I would stay. Take a swing at quarterback this year because you always have to and then keep swinging in the draft. So what's your swing, though? The, the fourth guy. The f- what if this fourth guy isn't there? Oh, man, then I have to go like a Garoppolo or something. Because <laughs> that's what we've done in this is that the four quarterbacks are gone by the time Atlanta, or Carolina comes up at nine. Would we package to go up to three to get the second quarterback off the board to Arizona? Maybe the third quarterback off the board? I think it would be the second. So you'd have to, yeah, you would be jumping in. Because the the Colts could go to one and the Texans are at two. The Texans could go to one and then then the second quarterback's off the board. If the Texans go, if the Texans jump to number one, draft a quarterback, Chicago doesn't move from two, they draft their defensive player um arizona would be sitting there presumably going to draft a defensive player but then the colts would be up next drafting a quarterback so you would be jumping the colts and the raiders and unbeknownst to you also atlanta who apparently are going to draft anthony richardson one spot ahead of you by doing that but you'd have to make the call after those first we're not days. like simulating the nfl season here we're trying we're to give all now. the scenarios no we're doing it now it's monday morning it's 9 30 we're keeping it's this is the whole thing's going to make sense it's one entire webway of an nfl offseason somebody keeping track of this where they could keep track of every move we've right made. now kelvin beecham signs up, up 17 teams so you so that's the question after those first two picks are you jumping up to number three to draft the second quarterback off the board which again like who see this is the problem i have this year is that i don't trust any of these guys enough to make that kind of commitment yeah i don't want to but equally, I don't want to come away with none of them if I'm at nine, which is entirely possible. How much do you let past moves affect your future moves? Because we've, we've talked about the Colts snakebitten, Panthers snakebitten, right? Like you've just been sitting here. This is what the Broncos did last year. Multiple years of bridge, 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 Flacco and yeah. Keenum and Bridgewater. And then you finally go to hell with this. And then you're like, that's it. We're going to get Russell Wilson. Right. But how, does that have to influence your decision? If you're the Colts... Or if you're the Panthers. Like, the Raiders are like, oh, we just got rid of Derek Carr. You know, we hope we get that next guy, you know. The Texans, of course, have to get somebody because they haven't had a quarterback in years or uh-huh. since, you know, trading Watson. But the Panthers and Colts, 
feel the most desperate? If we're the GM of the Panthers, do we have to play desperate, you know, to because that's what Tepper probably wants here in year three? But there's also um, there's a case of how long everybody has. Now, Carolina have, they just hired a new head coach, so you would assume there's a little bit of breathing room there. But like David Tepper, their rich owner, who's spending like crazy to try and get a winner somewhere, is probably running out of patience at this point. If you're going to be like, hey, David, thanks for all the spending money. We don't actually have a pathway through to a competent team or quarterback right now, so we're going we're gonna to burn another year if that's cool. But it's good because next year there's some really good quarterbacks available. Like, they're going to need to come up with a better plan than that just to present to the owner, I would say. So what are we doing? I feel like they have to be in some kind of veteran market, but I'm not sure what that looks like. They haven't sounded too interested in Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the clear best option from a sort of freely available quarterback or likely to be freely available quarterback point of view. Could they be a surprise entry to the Aaron Rodgers thing? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would play that game if I was Carolina. I would, I would look into the this is, what, this is what all those teams, the, the Colts and Commanders who landed on Carson Wentz each of the last two years, respectively, they played those games, right? They were in, in on Stafford, in on this, on it, and they, they failed. But, like, if I'm the Panthers, you have to at least be in on Rodgers and in on Lamar, I think. At least play that game. But once you get down to Derek Carr, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, the alternative is you really do play it patient again. Either trust the quarterback will or won't be there at nine. Draft one if he is don't if he isn't and then just hope you can like do the patch job and take another patch year quarterback and try and do it again next year yeah i think that's it so if there's a quarterback that falls i'm taking one if not keep taking the best players what's that going to look like with this roster my depth charts could ever come back (laughs) um they've done better work on the offensive line uh you know there's people saying maybe brian burns as a potential trade candidate to get more draft capital i wouldn't hate that i mean i just think you he's a good playmaker you'd have to pay him he's due soon but he could be a good trade candidate to get to get draft capital somewhere and uh just add talent to both sides of the ball here they've done a pretty good job building back up their offensive line they're not all the way there yet so in the draft if they kept nine and didn't draft a quarterback they could take an offensive lineman i know was it Jeremiah that gave them Peter Skaronsky recently. Put him at guard. We, we, with the idea that he would kick into left guard. Um, that makes some sense. Uh, that would feel – you were talking about the Titans restarting their offensive line with just one player. That would feel not fun. No, for, but at least Panthers that – like at least that you could look at it and go, all right, that's kind of completed the job. You know, The problem with the Titans thing is like you draft that guy and you still have a garbage offensive line. Carolina could draft him, plug him in, and go, all right, yes, it's a – tackle that we're kicking into guard in the top 10 which feels sort of icky on the other hand it does theoretically fix the offensive not line. Iguanu. no on the other hand it does theoretically fix the entire offensive line you know what i mean yeah so i think that in a weird way is actually you come away feeling better about that than you do about the tackle that may not change anything well that's the thing right when we talk about uh the nba model which is either go get your star or create the environment where the star wants to come to you if you do create a really good offensive line in Carolina and load up on playmakers, I don't know who the star is a year from now that wants to come to you, but maybe there's one available that uh, wants to come to your uh, or you're simply environment yeah, that you've you, created. Even if you don't 
created as a draw, it at least means that whoever you end up putting in there has a better chance of it, better time of it. I mean, maybe Darnold could actually survive behind that and do okay. You you want to go with Darnold? God, no, I don't. I, I know. To go I mean, with... I know you. This the show's going off the rails here. If you're no point if I wanted to go with Sam Darnold for basically the entirety of his NFL career. Have we done enough to fix the Panthers? All we've done is talk through a bunch of scenarios where we hate the fact that they're picking yeah, at nine. Not really, but that's what we've dealt with. Go get that's all the same players enough. we told you to get uh, for other teams. Is Darnold a free agent now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't bring him back. He is. So roll with PJ. Oh, God. Wouldn't do what that. You, how about a season of PJ to get to Caleb Williams? <laughs> I mean, if you're doing that, you might as well throw uh, Matt Corral out there, surely. Would you re- Would you blow it up in Carolina? No. You could trade a Brian Burns. You can just kind of you I would, know, tread water at quarterback. I wouldn't blow it up. Add young talent. I don't think that they're quite in the blow it up realm. But I would I mean I would listen to offers for Brian Burns. I don't I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. But aren't they in this aren't they in this spot too because they went and got Stephon Gilmore for half a year? Like they played like they were being competitive. They they tried to be competitive when they should have been rebuilding. And now they're in this middle tier of ninth pick, still don't have a quarterback, might not have one of the top four quarterbacks as an option here. Pretty good roster. But yeah, not but, like they were only competitive last year in the NFC South because the whole South was terrible. But they they're not quite where Tennessee is in terms of the whole thing is falling apart around them. They don't have any cap space. They don't have any draft picks. They're they're in that sort of mode where it's prime for a rebuild. They're just dead smack in the middle of cap space and yeah. draft capital and with no quarterback. Right. They are middle tier everything with no QB in a middle tier division. Like I think that they can realistically say. We're, not, we're in a reasonable spot. Frank Reich is a good head coach. We've assembled a really good coaching staff. This thing should move in the right direction if we can just find a quarterback. And maybe there is no obvious pathway to that guy right now. It might have to wait a year. All right. Do we have any other options for Carolina here? Sorry. I'm trying no. to make sure my stuff gets fixed. There are no options. They're kind of screwed. Wow. I mean, we have to give them options. We, I mean, we've given them a lot of options. They're just not good. I'd be like, they're one of the teams. Like, I think Washington. I'd be tempted to go Derek Carr, but I, I'm only tempted because I'm looking at the, what's around me, and with Washington, I feel like there's enough of an infrastructure there that you can get the most out of them. So I'd look at that too. But I'd try to hit. I'd try to swing. I'd swing for Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and maybe think about Carr. But I think I'd prefer to land on Garoppolo at the right price while continuing to draft quarterbacks. So according to Peter King this morning, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr not eyed by the Raiders, Colts, Texans, or Panthers. So I'm kind of with you that I think Carr is their best option, but they don't appear to be interested in Derek Carr. Well, I'm the GM now. Okay. I'm probably not interested either. All right. We got anything else? We have two teams left. Uh-huh. 30 out of 32 done here. Let's go. I feel like we fixed enough with the Panthers. We discussed the Panthers enough. Maybe we didn't <laughs> fix them. Maybe Panthers fans are going to be upset with us. We didn't give enough tangible answers there. They usually are. But we can't sit here for three hours. Mm-hmm. Saints push the credit card down a little bit further, down the path. They got picked number 29 via 16 different teams, most recently or originally San Francisco. Eight total draft picks for the Saints. And, of course, all of their contract restructures still to go to get back 
and to uh, get their cap space back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating pick that, that that's <laughs> been on a journey. Um, yeah, well, the Saints are like the rest of this division. Nobody has a quarterback. Same quarterback question. Yeah. And they obviously are much less capable of getting one picking at the ass end of the first round, not in the top ten. Jameis Winston's still on the roster for next year. Andy Dalton's a free agent. Dalton played pretty well, but there was something missing there with that entire offense. They're an interesting team. Michael Thomas with a lot of money there that probably you know, he'll uh, like officially get released at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the remaining playmakers are intriguing with Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry and, of course, the great Rashid Shahid who is just unstoppable. They are the worst team in the NFL in terms of the combination of salary cap space and draft capital. They have not much of either. Cap space will will be there, but they never really sort of. have flexibility. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yes, it doesn't, it's not as bad as it looks, but in order to get it to not as bad as it looks, they need to hemorrhage players and restructure guys a lot. So it's not like they take it from... Um, terrible looking to we have a ton of spending space like they can get to being fine but they're not going to be massive free agent Are players they, other than just restocking guys that they had to get rid of they had the sleepover with Derek Carr hmm. are they are they still playing in play there because they were they were talking trade initially before Derek Carr said no just release me yeah they were one of the didn't wasn't that one of the teams that I just read out I don't know. You read it fast. That's what I was... I read it too uh, fast for you to listen to. Just to, like, comprehend every single team. Uh, Colts, Raiders... No, they're not. They, they're they not one of those teams listed. Raiders, Colts, Texans, and Panthers were the teams not interested in Derek Carr. Therefore, the Saints, by double negatives, are interested. <laughs> uh, Saints also have Marcus Davenport, who we keep talking about as one of the top free agents, as a free agent. D- David Onyemata, who we keep telling every team to sign, is a free agent here. So... Yeah, there's some work to do in New Orleans. They, the 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 push in the credit card thing. It's not just that. It was five draft picks for Chris Olave and all that stuff. Look, the Saints have to. To me, if I'm if I'm running the Saints, you can only play the high risk game in one area. You're either going to play it with the cap, or you're going to play it in the draft. They've done it with both in New Orleans. In other words, trading multiple picks to go get Marcus Davenport, trading five picks essentially to get Chris Olave. Uh, they would have picked 10 this year if they hadn't traded it to Philadelphia. Chris Olave is awesome. I think he's fantastic. But they'd have picked 10 here, right? Those, these are the, I'm not saying don't do that necessarily, but you have to understand the consequences here. But, so you made the point last show or the show before that the Saints have been the best drafting team in the NFL, essentially, outside of quarterback. When they you have. Look at what when they I've have. looked at war added... For non-quarterbacks, just to put apples to apples here, non-quarterbacks, it's the Saints and the Chiefs. And they appear to be taking the approach that that means that we can zero in on these guys that we think are amazing and trade to go get them. Whether it's trading future assets to get into this draft again, whether it's trading current assets to move up in this draft to get this guy. Whereas to me, if that's a real thing, that the Saints identify talent better than other teams— it means you should take the opposite approach. It's like, no, we can actually afford to trade down because we're better at this than other teams. We can let a guy come to us because we identify the players that are worth picking better than the other NFL teams. At the very minimum, it feels like you should not be trading up, like reducing your assets in the draft because you're better at it. 
You are better with those assets than other teams, so stop reducing them. So I, I agree, man. It's it, one of the interesting things when I'm looking at my hashtag draft model. It's not so much here's this ranking of players and just use it at all times. There's like a strategy attached to it too, which is only if you had only drafted the players that you feel best about yeah. and you truly limited your board. So I do wonder if the Saints have that type of approach where they they limit their board to like 50 players well, or something the, like that. the Patriots idea, right? right? That their draft board is only ever like 45 guys long. Yeah. And I didn't get it at the time hearing that, but I kind of get it now because again, the thing about the model too, like the way, the way I've looked at it, it's not that you just have, you know, here are the players that I love the most and here's my top 50. There are players in every round that say the model likes. So theoretically, you're going to have players in every round, fewer as you go, but f- that, that check the boxes, so to speak. So if the Saints do pare down their draft board that much, potentially, that could be one of the reasons why they hit higher than others. They're, just, they're better at paring it down, and then they have to be more aggressive because they're going to run out of players. And then you lose the strategy. So I don't. So I don't know if it's as simple as like just draft twelve times because you, you'll run out of players within that strategy. Yeah, but to me, what the approach there. So the problem is, like you said initially, is that they combine this with this free agent slash salary cap approach they have of maxing out the credit card and then having to cut it down, which means they're almost always going into the draft needing to get a starter in the first round. Like we've fixed almost all of our holes except this one, but we're fine because we've got the draft pick to come up and that guy starts. So Trevor Penning, right now, Trevor Penning got hurt, so he didn't need to do this. They had James Hurst and that worked out fine. So not the best example in the world, but like we didn't get a left tackle. We now go into the draft needing to come out of the first round with a left tackle. Otherwise we have problems. They do that over and over again. Whereas to me, if that was the approach where we're better at this, We've identified 45 guys, and once you reach the end of that list, we're simply run out of players. To me, that means that instead of loading up uh, draft capital to go get one of those 45 guys, even if it means you got to go up, trade down and then trade to the future. So if you run out of guys, just start getting rid of all your draft picks for next year so that all of a sudden next year, now you've got like 15 draft picks and you can move around without it costing you anything. Yeah, I, so that part I'm with you, man. I'm going to... I'm going to load up on draft capital here. I don't think you can keep playing this game if you're the Saints. This game works when Drew Brees is the quarterback, right? If you don't have a quarterback, you're just a, you're just a middle-tier team. If you don't have an elite quarterback and you're playing this, this game of uh, pushing the credit card. They're a team that Derek Carr makes sense for, though, to me. Because they lack other options in the draft? Because they're okay as a roster. They have no shot at one in the draft yeah. and... You have a dome. They already tried to get him. Okay, that's fine. I'd look at Carr. I'd also look at the next wave of QBs in the draft, the Herndon Hookers and Stetson Bennett's, Stetson Clayton, Bennett. Clayton Toon. I would draft – I mean, if I'm – I should every quarterback needy team, I would draft one of those guys too, you know, middle, mid or late. I'd also keep four on the roster, but, you know, how, you know my thoughts. How old is Stetson Bennett? 25. 25. You think Bryce Young's size is an issue. Stetson Bennett is bigger than Bryce Young. Did you see him standing next to each other? Yeah, I know. That's the concern. But he's still small yeah. and 25. Yes. And also, didn't he blow off the senior ball and get drunk or something? Yeah, there's a lot of red flags have popped up <laughs> on Stetson Bennett, who's a college football legend. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 
That's, yeah, I mean, that's one of the most damning pictures I've ever seen in terms of Bryce Young's size. That Stetson Bennett, who's listed, I think, at 5'11", 190, is both taller and bigger than Bryce Young. Which yeah. means if you're taking that as red, Bryce Young can't be any bigger than 5'10", and like 180. Basically every show, it's like, did you see the most recent thing that shows how short Bryce Young is? It's so funny, though, because he's about to roll into Indy for the combine that we're going to, and... Like off the back of jugging seven gallons of water weigh in at like 201 and then do nothing. No form of moving, moving around whatsoever lest he betray the fact that he just threw on 25 pounds of garbage weight. It's the only way to do it. What else we have here for the Saints? Uh, I, I, you have to replenish this roster through the draft. Yeah. I mean, bottom of the first round, defensive line. Yeah, who's the biggest, longest defensive lineman that's going to be available there? Because you're going to lose Davenport. I mean, Tyree Wilson would have been great if he's not going top five. Ideal pick for them, sadly. Yeah. There's some pretty good depth in the the 40s on our draft board. You might be able to get somebody else in the second. Andre Carter could Mm -hmm. be interesting out of Army. I don't know if the NFL likes him as much as our draft board likes him at 24. A lot of people have Miles Murphy not going in the top 10 as they did initially. I think he would be a good... Late first, like a George Karloftis type. What about Murphy's your, uh, a power winner. Your guy Keon White. Keon White could be good. I'm up and down on him. I know the model likes him and everything. But you're up and down on him. A little up and down. I'm trying. To, there's 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 context around it. Former tight end. Huh. A lot of his production came at Old Dominion. Wasn't as productive at Georgia Tech. I'd take Keon though. Prefer yeah. him in the second. I, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised that the NFL likes him that high. I mean, if that's if that's the truth. Six five. 286 yeah. is part of it. He's a power rusher like a, like a Miles Murphy. I would take either of those guys in the late first. I think that's fine. All right. But like it, does, it just feels like we're, okay, now you're replacing Marcus Davenport. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is where the, the Saints That's what they have to do is. every year. Like yeah. they hemorrhage players. They let guys walk. They cut guys for cap casualty. And then their entire offseason is about just replacing what they sent away. It's not a – look, their 2017 draft is one of the best – in, in NFL history. Ryan Ramchak at tackle and Alvin Kamara and Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Williams, and you know, some of those guys are gone. The Saints need something like that mm-hmm. if they're to get back on track. And I think you get something like that by drafting ten to twelve times and, you know, just hitting on some picks, you know, trying to roll rolling the dice a little bit more. That's the strategy in New Orleans. Walt says While you're trying to figure out a QB. Walt says not to worry about Stetson Bennett because Roger Staubach was 27 when he came into the NFL. Oh, there we go. I'm always Fine. looking for precedent from the, uh, the dark ages. <laughs> I mean, if Staubach did it, what's going on? i got to re-log into every single app right now. What Everything's falling apart here, mm-hmm. tech-wise. Tech how, did, how did anybody talk about football? How did people podcast back in the 80s when they didn't have depth charts online? Back in the 80s. Yeah. How did they do it? I don't think they did in the 80s, to be honest. Um, were, there, were there no podcasts there? No. So what about free agency? Because the Saints are always spenders in free agency just to replenish the guys that they let walk to free agency in the first place. I mean, the same guys that I'm trying to give everybody else are all former Saints. <laughs> Sheldon Rankins like, and you know, they, David Onyemata. Like they let Marcus Williams leave, and then they bring in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. Like they have this weird ability to just juggle – quite high-priced players. I know. But they have to look 
maybe the cheaper defensive lineman, the the not Marcus Davenport's. I mean, Obo Okoronkwo, I would like for everybody. Brandon Graham on a one-year? Feels a like one he year. might retire. You think so? Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere else. Like, he's either one, Eagle, for, Eagle one for last, life. Yeah, one last go-around with Seattle or bye-bye. Justin Houston keeps uh, – Popping up with teams on yeah, you know, one year at a time, if playing take, pretty they'd well. They'd be the team to take a swing on the one-year Jadevian Clowney deal. That oh, I would like that. Yeah, I like Clowney. I mean, his I would sign Clowney. I got it. My team would have Clowney every year on a one-year deal, and John Ross on a, every year on a one-year deal. But it's becoming, I think, more and more clear why Clowney keeps only getting one-year deals as yeah. opposed to ever getting the big one. Like he appears to be a pain in the ass, as well as you know. Where do we have him in our free agent? Every, the last 31. Four, three years, right now. So right now he's 31, but the last three years he's been between like 22 and 31 or whatever yeah. in our free agent rankings. Signs the one year. I mean, deal. the smarter money feels like you might be the team to bring in Charles Amenahu. He's been really productive and is coming off a career year. That's actually a future looking move as opposed to short term one year type of stuff. Yeah, I like that deal too. I like that potentially. So that's so. Second class free agents, uh, maybe not the right way to say it, but the Arden Key in the thirties to fifties in a free agent board, yeah. bringing a couple of those guys up front. Arden Key has been pretty productive. He's fifteen essentially percent pressure rate over the last couple of seasons. Is a top twenty figure amongst edge rushers. He started off as like this hyper uh, undersized from a skinny point of view, just lightweight edge rusher, and then has packed on some size and is actually a pretty productive pass rusher now as a a rotational guy. We're mentioning all these defensive linemen because uh, free agents include Marcus Davenport, who we've said, David Onyemata, also Contavia Street and Shai Tuttle. Mm-hmm. All potentially and gone here. Brought back Tano Passignon, though. And uh, Cameron Jordan is just getting and old. Cameron Jordan's getting old. And Peyton Turner, tw- 2021 first-rounder, showed flashes at times, but been inconsistent. But yeah. you're, you're going to need a lot more from Peyton Turner. This is where they are as a roster. You need Peyton Turner to play like a first-round pick. You need these guys... That you, that you drafted as replacements to, to play better. Yeah, I mean, the one of the things is if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket draft-wise, those guys need to be good, high. Like if you're trading a ton to get back into the thing and go for Chris Olave, it only works if Chris Olave is amazing. Now he looks like he's good, but the same thing applies to Trevor Penning and to Peyton Turner, like to your first-round picks, to Marcus Davenport when you traded two first-round picks to get him. If he's not incredible, it's not good. All right, do we fix the Saints? Yeah, as much as we can. Would you, You'd play in the, the Carr sandbox, though. They're the team that makes the most sense to me for Derek Carr. Okay. Because I think for no other reason than they're the team that – they're the team whose ambitions at quarterback are probably the lowest and are therefore happy to settle for Carr. Like, to me, the Jets should be aiming higher than Derek Carr. Derek Carr absolutely makes the Jets better. But given where they are as a roster and, and everything else, they should be aiming higher than that's Derek Carr. What, that's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm more likely to go the Derek Carr route if I'm in the NFC South, right? Or if I'm a team like Washington that doesn't have a clear path to a replacement as a quarterback. Whereas the Saints, you're like, no, nah, this is about right. All right, fix the Saints. Last team, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh man. What do we do with the Bucks? Well, we're fine because they're starting Kyle Trask, remember? They, uh, they're, Kyle Trask is on the roster. He is. He's the starter. <laughs> is, he, is he top of the depth chart? Is he past Blaine Gabbert? Blaine Gabbert's a free agent. Kyle Trask is the only one remaining. Does the job for him. Julio Jones, a free agent. Scotty Miller, a free agent. I don't see, uh, definitely don't see Julio coming back at this point. Levante David, is he a free agent? 
Yep. Yeah, right. Levante David, Jamel Dean at corner. A lot of free those, agents. Those are your biggest names. And then, like, a lot of the guys that they brought, like the Logan Ryans of the world that they brought <coughs> in, the Keanu Neals that they brought in as as veterans trying to make a Super Bowl run, those guys are going. Sean Murphy bunting. So they need a lot of help in the secondary. Mike Edwards, three-fifths of their starting uh, defensive backfield are all free agents. They were a team that uh, Brad highlighted as losing, I think, the most to free agency this year. Yeah. Both and that includes them. Brady. Yeah. And he retired from a snaps and you know war point of view, like actual yeah. impact of these guys. So, do you blow this whole thing up if you're the Bucks? Are you are you okay taking a poor season if needed and just uh, starting from scratch here? Yeah, they're another team that I think that's a question, at least from the outside, still to be answered. Like, what is our approach now? We went all in, comparatively speaking for the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. We got one, so it was justified. And now Brady's gone. The reason for this whole thing existing the way it is is no longer there. So the natural response is to let's blow it up and start properly again. Um, alternatively, I think it's very easy for these teams to look at you know, a, a sort of post-Brady landscape or a post-Drew Brees landscape or whoever the quarterback is that's going and say, hey, this team's still good. Like, we just need an okay quarterback and we can still do some things, particularly in this division. Like, you almost forget that the only reason you built this team in the first place was so that the all-pro Hall of Fame quarterback could take them to a Super Bowl. And you sort of forget that the whole premise was that an average quarterback can't do that anymore. Like, we already had Jameis and he wasn't capable of doing that, so we went and got Tom Brady. Now you get rid of Tom Brady or he gets rid of himself by retiring – and you're sort of tempted looking at the rest of the team to go, I mean, maybe a guy like Jameis could do it. Like, no, he can't. You proved that. That's why you did the Brady thing in the first place. So I think logically you tear it down. But I also think it's very tempting for NFL teams to look at the roster and convince themselves that, yeah, you don't need a, you don't need a Hall of Famer. I think that was well said, right? I mean, they, they, were, they were a good team with an average, a pretty good team with an average quarterback in Jameis. Add Brady to the mix and you're winning a Super Bowl. Now you're back to, you know, you've got less on the roster now than you did even when Brady was there. Um, the tempting part is you still have the big names, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Evans is, you know, up over 30 years old now. Carlton Davis is a nice piece at corner. There's just a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes. And it, we've talked Derek Carr for a lot of these different teams. Have, have they been mentioned in the, in the car? They were one of Peter King's not interested bucket. So if they're not interested in... Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Who would they be? In? Are they interest, interested in Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they because they feel the the Bucks feel like a team that's just going to land on Jacoby Brissett as their starter? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're at nineteen in the draft, so that's not first round quarterback territory. Yeah, unless like last year, like last year we made this massive assumption. We have teams. You know, everybody drafts quarterbacks in the first round. We were talking about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. We were talking about all these guys going in the first round. Unless Levis is really a, you know, mid, mid first rounder, or Anthony Richardson is still available, right? Unless those guys just aren't as high as we're talking about, but I think then maybe feel, they're in that. I think we feel better about these quarterbacks than last year. We do. Like last year, we were talking. We didn't. We were talking ourselves into the idea that in this current landscape of toolsy quarterbacks working out and the floor that a rushing threat brings. The gamble of Malik Willis is worth taking a flyer with in the first round. 
Like he's got a huge arm and he's an incredible runner. You can build something around that guy that's worth taking a gamble in the first round because that's when quarterbacks go. If you have anything, you go in the first round. And then Kenny Pickett, it's like, all right, fine. If you have to take a quarterback, I guess Kenny Pickett is the best composite to take in the first round. But we didn't love either guy. Like I remember very distinctly hearing from a bunch of people, like actual NFL in NFL people in the work in NFL building saying, I don't like any of these guys. I don't think any of them work out. If I had to take one, it would be Kenny Pickett. Yeah. That's not what you're hearing about this group, which is there's a lot to like, but there's some concerns, you know, for each one of them. So obviously like Bryce Young's tape's amazing, but he's tiny. Uh, CJ Stroud's tape against Georgia was amazing. The rest, not so much. Will Levis, incredible arm, prototypical size, Bad last season, you know, a lot of inconsistencies. And then Richardson, just the chaotic madness of his incredible tools, incredible plays, but wildly inconsistent tape. Like, that is a very big difference, I think, from last year's group of quarterbacks. Now, the point you're making can still be valid that we're talking about all four of them going in the, in the top ten, maybe. There's, I've seen a mock with each one of the four going number one. I've also seen people say, Will Levis isn't the first-round quarterback. Like... It can be true that they're a, a better group than last year, and yet collectively the league thinks Will Levis or whoever is going to slide a bit. But if that's the case, does it feel like you're getting like a consolation prize and you're taking a gamble on a guy that isn't worth the gamble at that point? Like, are you sliding because teams think he stinks? Do you want to be the team to say, no, actually, he's the guy? I mean, that's where Pickett went last year, right? Yeah that range but they at least had the choice of all quarterbacks like they were like we need a quarterback and we're taking the one guy we think is good yeah Yeah. it's like do you want to be the guy who drafts the one quarterback that everybody else thinks isn't capable of being a quarterback yeah i mean i'm inclined to play the rebuild game here there's so many holes to patch in free agency and just just get younger you know so how did the bucks win a super bowl obviously brady's the biggest factor and their playmakers and all that stuff. But they also did a really good job a couple years prior to uh, in drafting Carlton Davis and drafting Jamel Dean, getting young in the secondary. And then very specifically that year, Tristan Wirfs at right tackle, Antoine yeah. Winfield at safety. It wasn't it was Brady plus hitting on some picks and youth in some key areas. I think you just go back to this youth in key areas, right? You're going to replace Jamel Dean with the next young corner, right? Maybe a corner could be a great uh, great spot to draft at 19. Draft, get younger, replenish draft picks, draft 12 times, bridge quarterback. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Or Tannehill. Tannehill would be interesting. See, I, I think there's enough. I could see Tannehill doing some damage. So this is what I'm saying with the South, though. Because, like, the South is going to be, like, Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, and, and like, they're going to be battling for the division here. Yeah. So you could you could sneak a division win here while you're I, rebuilding. I think there's enough about this. Well, the, the division is weak enough, and there's enough about this team, even with the kind of problems that they put themselves in. This feels like I don't know that you need to quite go full rebuild. You can kind of hedge and try and do it concurrently with competing. You know, what is those? Who is it that coined the term competitive rebuild? Was that the Vikings or who, who was talking about a competitive rebuild as, a, as the concept that they were going forward with last year or the year before? That feels like what Tennessee could, or what Tampa Bay could actually do. Say, bring in a Jimmy G or Ryan Tannehill 
or even like an Andy Dalton, like just somebody that's going to be fine at quarterback. Try and <clears throat> try and patch this thing up as much as possible this offseason with some low price free agents and then look to get younger with our draft picks, you know, bring in a, a cornerback replacement. I think they could probably do that without completely tearing the thing down and blowing it all up again. Competitive rebuild, huh? Yeah. I forget who it was that was using that as their term for a while, but that feels, feels like, like Seattle. Feels like a Seattle maybe. thing. That feels like the approach that Tampa Bay could take as opposed to complete teardown. Seattle kind of did it this year. Yeah. Right? They, they were competitive in a rebuilding season because they hit on a bunch of draft picks. They and hit Gino. on several starters, and Geno Smith broke out. Now, that's again, that's not a, it's not a pattern to follow. That's like hit on your picks. Right, and the quarterback. Like, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. unless you find a quarterback that can give you top 10 play like Geno did out of nowhere, that's quite difficult. Who would we talked about as the other? Like, could Gardner Minshew be the next breakout quarterback? Like, who who's that next guy that it could be? You said PJ Walker could be that one week. Well, he was for a week. For a week. Yeah. Is that somebody that these teams should be just be taking swings at? I always use Minshew because it, it's tough for me to separate the fact that he looked good in Jacksonville when he shouldn't have, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we spent we've just spent. 10 hours, basically, breaking down every team in the NFL. And all we kept saying was supporting cast, supporting, like build the supporting cast. Gardner Minshew had decent seasons without a good supporting cast, elevating people, you know. I would just keep taking swings on Gardner Minshew types while you're figuring this out. I don't know if I want Garoppolo or not in Tampa Bay. I don't know. I'd be okay losing for a year. Yeah, I wonder how much credit in the bank the institution has having won the Super Bowl. Like, presumably Jason Light has said for a while. Todd Bowles won't. That's the thing. Doesn't Todd it feel Bowles like Bowles won't. is like no. the fall guy after a crappy year? Yes, of course. I mean, they went from incredible two seasons, Brady, Arians, and all that stuff. It's like, depends on how, like, well, Tom Brady just kind of got old and everything fell apart and his, his marriage and all that stuff. Or you could say, like, Tom Brady was unbelievable until Todd Bowles yeah. showed up. Depends right. on how you want to, uh, how to, how you want to couch that. Yeah, so Look, it feels I, like Bowles... Bowles Bowles was he's still too conservative, trusts his defense too much. I mean, there's definitely some stuff head coaching wise that he was not good at last year. And the funny thing is, like, there was all that talk that Bruce Arians was essentially stepping aside to give him a gift wrapped great situation so that this didn't happen to him. So right. that like Bowles was actually given credit for for doing a good job at head coach as opposed to being the fall guy for the Jets the first time around, and then I, I like the whole thing on spools and now he's gonna be the fall guy anyway. I would lean toward uh, non-competitive rebuild, but if we go competitive rebuild, I get it. It just feels like this might be... I, I think the best fit for Jacoby Brissett is Arizona, but this feels like a place where Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton might oh, end up. I Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think those I'm are the, be starting Jacoby for a full season. But, like, one of those guys is going to be a starting quarterback next year, I think. Maybe. Because... I don't know. Maybe there's I mean, enough, they jobs. Shouldn't have been Maybe there's enough jobs to go around. If you think about it, they shouldn't have been this year until injuries struck, like or injuries and suspension. Like In theory, Jacoby Brissett isn't the starter for the Browns. In theory, Andy Dalton wasn't the starter for the Saints until James got hurt. Yeah, I understand, but there's other quarterbacks who have left the league, like yeah, Brady. There's also and... others that have come into the league. Like We're, gonna, we're about to get four first-round quarterbacks, likely. I understand. So I'm not sure there's a space to start for any of those guys. We need to do a full QB carousel show and figure out where everybody lands. 
Uh, the rest of the, I, I think if, if they don't draft a quarterback in the first round, I think corner absolutely in play here, not only because of Jamel Dean, but Sean Murphy bunting. Um, they could be in the Brian Branch uh, area at 19, at safety. Uh, they could use more on the defensive line as well. Akeem Hicks, William Golston, Raheem Nunez-Rochez, a lot of interior defensive linemen moving on here. It's just Vita Vea and Logan Hall who are left. So um, even edge rush, Shaquille Barrett coming off of his injury. But opposite him, they they did bring in Joe Tryon-Shoyinka in the first round two years ago. He was okay last year. They need depth there on the defensive line. You see, you see in the pattern here, mm-hmm. they need a lot of defensive linemen. They need a lot of help in the secondary. They need a quarterback. Receiver looks okay on paper with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. You know, playmaker and offensive line looks fine for now. But there's a lot of needs here in Tampa Bay. Yeah. It's going to be a defense-heavy draft here. And they don't have the draft capital to make splash plays in free agency. It doesn't matter. They don't want to. Second wave of free agency to bring in some depth. Mm -hmm. They're in a similar area to the Saints in terms of terrible cap situation but they free up quite a lot albeit by jettisoning half the roster yeah and you could you could free some up like brady's going to be 35 million in dead money so that was why i always brought up mike evans as the trade candidate even though it doesn't make sense financially that's just suggesting well that's like prototypical rebuild stuff right it's prototypical rebuild stuff you're gonna you're gonna sit on 21 million of dead money but you're gonna bring in a bunch of draft picks right it's gonna be painful but it's for next year yeah um i don't think that happens like i i've brought that up a bunch just because the 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 reason why it would make sense is because the nfl wants that right there are enough teams around the league that want a mike evans maybe higher than ever because of tyree kill and Devontae adams and all those trades last year aj brown so if, if if t higgins isn't available and DeAndre Hopkins' price is too high, you're sitting on this Mike Evans asset that is incredible because he's still a really good player um, at a reasonable price. So that's why I brought it up as a, uh, as a possibility. I don't think Tampa Bay goes that route, though. No, I, I, think, I think competitive rebuild is, is going to be their approach, which to me means some kind of bridge slash... Teddy Bridgewater bridge slash like capable starting quarterback and then try and do what they can with the rest of the roster what do you think the market looks like because jimmy garoppolo thinks he's gonna make you know 25 30 million i don't see tampa bay spending that kind of money i mean that's not expensive these days like if Derek carr is pushing 40 and was coming off 40 and is presumably looking to get back in that range I, again I, I know it's not expensive but you have 35 million locked up in Brady. like if you pay garoppolo 25 million you're at 60 million dollars for a quarterback like for your quarterback yeah. position not including Kyle Trask I mean is there a chance that they just roll with Kyle Trask if you were going to play like I would play the Caleb Williams game here but you know again we don't teams don't rebuild they don't uh, they don't tank yeah I mean, my I friends here I don't think they're data science guys I don't think they're rolling with Trask I think even if that's the approach they're like we're not spending 25 million on a quarterback then they're going to find some other cheap ass option like you know a Gardner Minshew like what would he cost to be your starter Probably a fraction of twenty five million. Yeah, I bring in Minshew. Yeah. So like if they're that's if they're doing something like that, that's the approach they're doing rather than, hey, let's see what Kyle Trask has this year. Big fan of Gardner Minshew. All right, did we fix the Bucks or just give them a whole bunch of different things to do? Uh, you know, whatever. It's tough, tough to fix. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. I don't know about you, but I'm tapped out. Uh huh. All thirty two teams. We fixed them all. Four straight shows. Appreciate everybody for. Uh, for being there with us. 
through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So this week, let's just reset really quick what's happening here. We're going to Indianapolis today. Today's Monday. We're going to be there the entire week. Uh, this is where we get to meet with our uh, NFL team clients on, on that side and then just uh, be a part of Radio Row, Media Row over in Indy. Players, interviews, and the whole deal. So you do have some big-name interviews happening, potentially, until they back out on us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let us know if there's any other people you want to talk want us to talk to. We're going to try to get some great draft discussion going in the coming weeks with some of the draft analysts around the, uh, the landscape here. So a lot of exciting times here as we head into the offseason free agency in the draft combine is always a great time for uh, a lot of news and uh, rumors and all sorts of fun stuff so looking forward to it mm -hmm. should be fun and of course i'll be at sloan this weekend on the analytics panel or football the football panel with uh, thomas dimitrov kevin demoff president of the rams jackie davidson she's in the front office with the bucks maybe i can get some specifics from jackie about where they're going to go quarterback wise and uh seth walder from ESPN moderating. So that'll be this weekend, the Sloan Analytics panel. Conference. So you're like, a, you're, an, you're an expert rather than a host or anything like that. Oh yeah, I'm not the, I'm, 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 I'm the expert. They're gonna ask me questions. Wow. And I'll just be like, uh, I don't know. Thomas, you've done this. <laughs> you tell me. Just tell them all about the model. Yeah, I'm gonna show some people maybe this weekend. You just drafted with me the last few years. Think about how much better you would be. You could get the, the laptop hooked up to the big screen and be like, well, if you just refer to the model page here for a moment, you'll be able to see. Show you my PowerPoint. Yeah. I got some slides. Here's your giant spreadsheet. Got some slides. Yeah. Are you interested in winning two more games per season? So I can help you. Mm -hmm. if, you're interested, if you're into that, or if you're an NFL owner and you listen to us, I can help you win two more games per season. Is this recorded in a way that doesn't cost you hundreds of dollars to view, or how does this work? Uh, it'll be on YouTube at some point. Okay. For free. For I free. Believe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, and the, uh, it's all sold out. It's all sold out, sold out there. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking forward to seeing people there if you're there. It's long. Come say hello. We got a little booth there for PFF. A bunch of us will be in town. Get to sleep at my mom's house at night. Just you, right? Not like everybody? Just me. I did not invite everybody to my, to my parents' house. But um, it's going to be good. Back in Boston for a few days. All right. That's it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again. Uh, I don't know. You got something planned for tomorrow, right? At some point. Yeah. We'll figure it out. See you tomorrow, probably. Not me, though. Sam. Thanks. <laughs>